This is how I win. This is no democracy. It is a dictatorship. Hate, 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 hate. Double hate. Load entirely. You're out of order. You're out of order. You think that guy just says bullshit? Thank you. Oh, well done. I always doesn't say that, but well done on that intro. Welcome! We hopped in the time machine. We're back to 2007. We're talking about the best movies from 2007. Actually, that's not the case. That's actually not the case at all. This panel did not achieve that at all. This are, uh, these are movies from 2007. They came out, but I don't, I don't know if it's the greatest. Uh, we're going to take a moment real quick. Scully's power went out. Scully yeah. was supposed to be on the show, <laughs> and I replaced him with Barney. So we're here. Uh, we're ready I to go. We're <laughs> ready to go. Um, Brian Michaels is on the show tonight, also known as Buyer's Remorse. He sits in the list and goes, fuck, why did I do that? Why am I on the show? I hate doing this, blah, blah, And he's always here. Brian, you're going to be on the Top 100 coming up soon. How are you feeling about your list tonight? And how do you feel in, like, Three weeks, you get to be judged by Kirk Kolakowski for like 10 weeks in a row. Yeah, I, it's not really so much remorse. Is I, I come in just knowing that I'm going to be like the punching bag for your amusement and especially just depending on who the rest of the panel is. But then I see, you know, you bring on Spence and things like that. So I have a little bit of pressure off of me. Um, as far as the top 100, eh, I, I'm used to arguing with Kirk about movies. So, you know, this time, I don't know why I'm giving him a forum to just bash my taste. But well, people so, call that talking to Kirk about movies. So that's, yeah, that's yeah, know. I'm just going to talk about my movies and then ignore whatever Kirk says. So whatever. Kirk, he just tolerates film. He doesn't actually like any of them. That is my exact <laughs> He thing. has nothing better to do with this time. That's the only reason Pretty much, watch yeah. movies. Love Next it. to punching back number two, uh, Spence, have you ever won the show? Uh, nope. Well, it depends how you define winning. <laughs> Technically, well, I don't think it's won three times. times and set a record. So I don't know if that's going to change tonight, but... How do you feel like coming up with this list went, and how do you think you're going to do overall with the show? I feel very honest to my list. Uh, if there's one change I make, it's like, I could get a new 10. But no, I, I'm very committed to this. I'm going to be the biggest bitch on the panel today because I'm going to have the worst list. But you know what? That's the show. Okay, fair. Yeah. Paul. Paul actually kind of gave me this idea when we were – because we've learned something. YLS has learned something. We're all um, – uh, you guys hate talking about worst, and let me be honest, I don't like to watch worst films, so those are probably not going to return at any point. There may be disappointment, there may be this, but we're not going to do worst anymore. Uh, Paul, you came up, you gave me some of these uh, options to do another year. Uh, how do you think you're going to do tonight? This is my favorite year for film, I think, ever. So I'm excited. Um, I think it's stacked. I could have picked 30, 40 different movies. It's interesting. You don't like watching bad movies, but then you brought on Coho and Adelaide onto this panel. Um, great, great counterintuitive messaging there. But no, I'm excited. Um, I'm excited to see, you know, again, every week me and Brian have like two random opinions that are exactly the same. I'm excited to see what the hell that is this week. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love this year and it's great to talk about. And it's always going to be on the show. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun this week. Uh, we've got Barney, Caleb Coho, the real 
Thomas Scully. Uh, I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> I've met Thomas Scully, and you, sir, are no Thomas Scully. Um, how do you think you're going to do? You had very, very visceral reactions to this group that sent yeah. in our list. Yeah, now you get to speak for the movies that they maybe forgot or didn't include. So how do you feel like you're going to do tonight? Um, I think you're going to do okay. Uh, I have a, I have a list of movies that everyone has heard of in the very least. Uh, I, I like the movies that I have. Um, yeah, uh, 2007 was a good year. I could have honestly probably given you a top 15. Um, there's a lot of movies that are sitting on the outside of this list that I also like pretty close to the level of movies that actually made the list. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, also, <laughs> I can say this and it actually is real. I wasn't even supposed to be here today. <laughs> That is true. Uh, just real quick, Coho, by the way, send me your list or re put it in my chat so I can actually reference it. Um, I'm going to also pull up the next week's topics. I don't know if you have them ready, but I just need lists still. Um, next week, we're doing courtroom. It means it's Coho will be back. Coho already, producer, he wanted to be on, so he gets to be on for that show. Uh, so he and Scott. Uh, Scott Harvey Sorry. and myself. Well, I'll be judging. I need two other lists. Courtroom dramas. I haven't really gotten much, so if you want to be on, please. It's a subject matter. I think Boatman wants to send in a list. So Boatman has um, told us he will be sending in a list. Yeah, so maybe one, two. I don't know how many, but please send your list. Uh, I would. Uh, it's a subject matter I love to watch, so please send them in. Uh, the following week is movie sequels. Again, I've had a few people like give me like what counts what doesn't defend your list come on the show and do it if you want to do phantom menace i don't give a shit Just put it on the list see what happens i'm not gonna i'm not gonna rip anybody apart for sequels prequels whatever have fun defend your list and then we are starting the top 100 again this is going to be a flipping wild time it is kirk hosting with brian me ethan beller and zach ford uh it is it is a very different group uh, Kirk has already said the division of the uh, alliances will rise up and they will get torn apart in the same episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but we're going to kick this off the same way we do. Everybody brings the top 10 list. I get to rip it down. Um, so we're going to start 10 through 8 and we're going to start with Brian. All right. Uh, my number 10 is Trick or Treat. My number 9 is TMNT. And my number 8 is absolutely going to get yikes and that is Zodiac. Yikes. Yikes. Totally saw that coming. All right. Um, Cody knows my, my 10 and 9. I tend to just kind of throw in a little more personal, you know, picks. Uh, Trick or Treat, I just think, is a really good horror anthology, which you really don't see anymore. I mean, nowadays, if you see them, they're usually like, you know, straight to disc or VOD and they're low budget affairs. I thought this was really well done, had a fun cast. Um, we're still to this day waiting for the sequel that they keep saying they might make, but who knows? At this point, I kind of think they won't. Um, but I just think it's an underrated horror movie. And again, anthologies, we don't get to see much anymore. Uh, TMNT, I think, is um, by a wide margin the best Turtles movie ever made. I think the old ones are crap, and people just like them for nostalgia reasons. I think the new ones are not very good either. Um, but this one I thought really captured like the characters. Um, it was a lot of fun. It's got actually great animation to it, um, and I think it just gets overlooked a lot. But I really enjoyed that one. And then Zodiac got yikes. Okay. Um, I think you've brought up Trick or Treat a few times on the show, to be honest with you. Um, At least once, I know, yeah. I just, I, it's your 10. I wasn't going to watch it. I didn't have time to watch it since you were such a late ad. But maybe if I'm ever, like, 
No, probably not. It's a horror movie. I'm probably not going to watch it. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, not, I'm just not going to I'm going to avoid it. There's there's movies that freak me out. Um, <laughs> this one is an interesting one. I double-checked it three times on your list to see if it was the real one. Um, I watched it once with my kids. Um, I thought, eh, it's not terrible. But it's honestly, like, I, I, <laughs> I kind of agree with you. The best, I think it is probably the best turtles, but honestly, the yeah, Paul has a point. It's a low bar. Admittedly. Yes, it's a low bar. <laughs> but my, my son likes it so much that he puts it on all the time. And now I don't even look at it. I just keep walking. So I was definitely not going to rewatch this for this list. Um, is it best of 20, 2007? Uh, no. And how close it was to Zodiac scares the shit out of me. So, uh, yeah. Spence, 10 to 8. My number 10 is Lars and the Real Girl. That's up. Number nine is, is Meet the Robinsons. <laughs> Fuck you, Paul. Uh, number, and my number eight uh, is it getting yikes. It's Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Yikes. yikes. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lars and the Real Girl, very simple, very sweet. Again, I like, I like putting semi-obscure movies at, at 10. Once we get old, like anything past 2014, I'm going to lose that badge. But like, this is something out there. I think Ryan Gosling is really good in it. I think it's a lot of fun. It's not fun is not the right word. It's I like. I think 2000 indie movies is a, is a particular taste, a particular interest, and I think this is like a big emblematic part of it. And it intrigued me. I watch it. Good movie. Not much more to really say about it. It's it's it's, it's good. Uh, Me the Robinson. It's it fucking rocks. Uh, I think a lot of people, especially my generation have like that 2000s Disney film they just immediately click with. Uh, I know I know Coho really likes Treasure Planet and Brother Bear for some fucking reason. Me the Robinsons is my shit. I love this movie. I, I think it has an amazing ensemble of characters. I think it has some original songs which are great. I actually really like the villains. I think Goob and like the bowler hat guy's villains is a really interesting way to take Disney. It does not feel like Disney and, and it, again it's in that 2000s like sort of quagmire like what are we doing what, how do we find ourselves and i think it really like rose to the top other than Aboriginal group which is great i think it rose to the top of that pile and actually created something really engaging and really deep and heartfelt and it's one of those issues that i always find myself going back to rewatch and i i love watching this so if i get lists when they when i ask for them you know on the wednesday before the week i watch everything it's my goal i try to watch everything i go down <laughs> Um, I went to Letterboxd to see Lars and the Real Girl, and I just saw this picture, and I said, I don't know quite if it was for me at that time, and it was your 10, so I avoided it. I did see it's not lower than four stars. Like, nobody has it lower than, like, three and a half on the thing, so yeah. it doesn't look terrible. I think I might give it a shot, but I was definitely not going to watch it 10. Um, do, wait, do you, know what, do you know what it's about? I have nothing. I have never Oh, my. It. <laughs> it, it's, it's an experience going in blind. Okay. So we'll see. Um, the next one was Meet the Robinsons. Um, oh, fuck. This movie is awful. Uh, this movie is bad. I don't like anything about this movie. Um, <laughs> the thing is, so I always now put this in the scale. Like, I think animation is a certain way. And then now I have kids. And when my five-year-old asks if we can change it, which he'll stare at any, he'll stare at just a, the... He'll just stare at like fish swimming on the TV and be like, let's do it all day. He said, can we change it on Meet the Robinsons? Um, and every time we go to like click it again on Disney Plus, he's like, dad, I've seen that. We don't need to watch it. 
So I think I didn't like this movie growing up. I damn sure don't like it now. And now my five-year-old thinks it sucks. So your taste sucks. And what's like your eight? My eight is that world's end. We're just moving on. Which is higher than Zodiac on someone's list. That's upsetting. Ah, uh, Paul. I, yeah, why, what are these like movies that are like? I guess they're kind of good. This is like an amazing year. This is insane. Okay, um, I'm gonna again, I, uh, So I'm gonna go with my. So my number ten is Paprika. My number nine is Ocean's Thirteen. No, no yikes. And then my number seven or my number eight, sorry, is Five Centimeters Per Second. Um, so my so my number ten, Paprika. This is like the film that largely inspired Inception. It's an anime film from, from 2007, obviously. And it's about a psychologist who goes into dreams and has this amazing visual quality that's like this surreal buildings falling, changing, morphing. It's like some of the most insane animation I've ever seen. Super original. It's wild. Again, if you've seen Inception like this, it takes a lot from this movie. Um, my number nine is Ocean's 13. Um, Oceans is like my favorite franchise, pretty much. I watch these movies religiously all the time. This is actually my least favorite of the three, but I really just still love hanging out with the crew. Um, I love the way they sort of resolve the arc with Sal. Um, I think Pacino is really fun in it. I, I don't love the look of this one as much as the others, which is why it's a little lower for me. But I think just hanging with the crew again is super fun. And my number eight, five centimeters per second. This is from Makoto Shinkai, who did Your Name. So if anybody's seen Your Name, um, this is a really good movie. It's only like an hour and two minutes. It's on YouTube if you want to watch it like in full. Um, but it's this really emotional journey. It's about this guy reminiscing about his, his youth and these different connections he has with people and talking about um, the way that he sort of like wishes that he would have done things differently in his past. And it's him reckoning with that. And this is, it's gorgeously animated and like one of the most emotional movies for me in terms of animation, like the end just like hits me in such a specific way that I think it's really great. And I, again, it's super easy, accessible. It's on YouTube. It's only an hour long. Would recommend it to most people. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll skip real quick. Ten and eight, I did not get a chance to watch. I didn't watch them. Um, uh, but I, I, I looked up both things. I don't know ten if it would be for me or not. I think it's um, a little too surreal for you. I think correct. Um, but I think that I would definitely give the uh, five five centimeter per second a chance. Uh, Ocean's thirteen. I think we talked about it last week on heist movies. Um, I just. I love the Oceans franchise. Your reaction, Spence, to Paul's A, they will always say they like 12 way more than just, you know, the correct audience. Um, but 13, I really like 13. 13 and 11 bounce for me sometimes. Like, which one I like more. Um, but I really like 13. I Again, I, I Pacino plays a perfect bad guy in that. Uh, the the whole setup and the, the, the pretty much Robin Hood's heist to basically give back and just take everything from him and oh and also sorry just it includes one of my favorite jokes in the whole franchise and it's when they're drilling into the wall and then uh i think scott Kahn asks casey affleck he's like is it in yet he's like i hate when people ask me that which is a hilarious <laughs> joke <laughs> amazing throwaway joke that i think not many people notice but it's hilarious so good um yeah but this franchise is one of those that is the easiest to pop in and rewatch like i, I even when i watched oceans 12 um recently and i had mixed reactions i actually liked it a lot more the second time I, the, the rewatch i just did so no great choice on that one uh coho or scully uh, yeah great. uh uh yeah I, I will say scully's list actually did include ocean's 13 that was his 10 uh so good for scully uh my 10 uh is uh national treasure book of secrets um my nine is hot fuzz yikes and my eight is Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Yikes. 
Yep, I figured those the guys. So let's talk about one of the greatest Disney live action sequels of all time. National Treasure Book of Secrets. I love How many it. are there? Uh, live action sequels. Sir. Hold your tongue, sir. Hold your tongue. Uh, the National Treasure movies are two that I really like. Um, I like the first one maybe slightly more than this one, uh, but I like the globe trottingness of this one. Um, I think like just Nick Cage gets to be very Nick Cage in this one, especially when he does his British meltdown uh, at the palace is just hilarious. Uh, I I love um, I love the, uh, the the treasure in Mount Rushmore. Uh, I think I just like that crew. I love Riley and Ben and that entire team. Uh, so getting to go on another hunt with them that has more stakes for Ben personally. Um, was a lot of fun. I'm still really shocked we never got a three. I think we are getting a three now late, like really late, and I'll be excited for it. But yeah, I, I just need to know what is on the page of the Book of Secrets, which is page number 47. <laughs> just letting you know, it, it will haunt me forever. Uh, National Treasure, Book of Secrets. I love both these films. Um, I do. I think they're the perfect amount of campiness, but it's always I've always been a history buff. So to see history like them like doing the stuff that is insane and talking about American history, I think it's very interesting. They also add, of course, it's always Ed Harris. It will always be Ed Harris. Of course, he's in this movie, and of course, he's trying to do some, uh, trying to uh, steal some shit. Uh, <laughs> I just like this back and forth. The assassination of Boo, you know, uh, Lincoln, and that entire like. Uh, him building up the family name to get it tore down in this one. I honestly think it's on par or just slightly below the first one, but I really enjoy National Treasure Book of Secrets. Well done. Um, I sometimes like it more. So, all right. He says he's the punching bag. He's the first person to get punches thrown. Uh, seven through four, Brian. Uh, seven won't be too bad. Uh, number seven, I have American Gangster. Well, okay. you know how to appeal to somebody. Go ahead. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, American. I, I'm not usually much of a crime guy. You know, people know I'm not into like the mafia and mob movies, Godfather stuff like that. Um, but occasionally, one comes along that I really do enjoy, and this is one of those. Now, part of it is probably just because Denzel is Denzel, and he does a phenomenal job in this movie, like he does in every movie he ever does. But then, I mean, you have really Scott directing. You have uh, Russell Crowe. He was fine. But it was actually the supporting cast I thought was really strong. You had Chiwetel Ejiofor. You had what, uh, Idris Elba, Josh Brolin, um, yeah, Carla Cugino. I mean, there's there's a ton of names in this movie, and I thought everybody did a great job. And I thought, and this was I thought was a very interesting movie from beginning to end because you kind of saw it's it's one of those kind of rise to power and then the fall. It's just it's your typical crime film. But I I guess it's just because of Denzel, and he's kind of playing in. I guess you consider him anti-hero. He's kind of the main character, but he's you know a bad guy. But I really thought he played it very well because you don't get to see Denzel kind of be the bad guy very often. And so um, yeah, this is just one of those crime films that stood out to me. Uh, this has uh, one of my all-time favorite uh, uh, gift moment, gift moments um, of the my man uh, from Denzel in this movie. Um, I I use it way more than good. This movie. Uh, so I'm doing my whole Denzel. Uh, filmography this year and this is one of the ones that i'm waiting till the end to watch um i just i i like this movie a lot like probably more than the average person with uh this movie um it's long which is the only like detriment i think to this movie i think it is a little too long it's a little too long in the tooth but overall the entire and i think you have a you really good point like denzel's great and of course but the supporting cast in this movie is so good 
throughout this entire thing. And it's really surprising when I saw this on your list because I know how that's the one thing we disagree probably most on is the crime aspect, the mob. Right. And I just I just have always I want Denzel to play more bad guys because I think he plays it so, so well. I think honestly some parts are better than he's done in training day. Not saying I like training day more, but I'm saying like his how he's able to build up in this movie. It's really good. Uh, everybody else on American Gangster. Have you seen it? Why didn't you make your list? Was it considered? Uh, this is somewhere in the 20s range for me for this year. Um, I like this movie. Uh, the only thing that I, I didn't really like is just how long it was. It took a while for it to like really work for me. I really like Ruby D. Uh, in this movie, um, she's probably my actually my favorite non Denzel performance in the movie. Um, but yeah, uh, good movie. I just it's a little long for me. Yeah, this uh, the Lamari Nadal love story stuff is kind of what loses me in the middle. I think that's like really uninteresting. Um, I think in general, it's really well acted. I love Edgy for and and John Hawks. I think he's really awesome in this movie. I think John Hawks. Like, I forgot to mention him. Yeah, a great supporting actor. I love him in almost anything he's ever in. But to me, this is like. I mean, it makes sense that Brian loved this because it's basically like a drama through the lens of a crime story, which is like sort of like that more of his genre, I think a little bit. But um, yeah, I think Ridley just stretches it out a little bit too much. I get the crime epic because Frank Lucas is someone worthy of that kind of story. Um, but to me, it just it's a little too overextended. And especially in the, the beginning and the end is really strong. The middle, I think it kind of gets a little lost. I haven't seen it. What's her? What's your six, Brian? Uh, at number six, I have a movie that probably not a lot of people here have seen. It's August Rush. Uh, so August Rush uh, stars Freddie Highmore as basically this uh, boy who's infant orphaned at birth, um, and he's this musical prodigy. It's it's the movie. The movie is basically kind of all about you know the power of music. It almost becomes like this mythic thing in this movie. Um, but it, basically, he spends the movie kind of trying to search for his parents and his parents who actually he's the result of a one night stand are kind of searching for each other and they end up finding him. Um, it's almost kind of like, it's almost a little bit surreal, kind of like a fairy tale. Cause it's like kind of how the music kind of calls to people and brings them together, but it's just a really good, like feel good kind of drama to it. And, and the first half does get, take a little bit to get going. Once it gets going, kind of really gets into the music. I just, it, it really kind of, it, it got to me. It kind of, you know, got those emotions in me. It made me laugh. It made me cry. You know, but it, if if you're especially if you're into music, I think this is really good. The music, the score is actually done by uh, Mark Mancina, who uh, he's known originally for a lot of action stuff like Twister and Bad Boys and Speed. But then he went on to do like you know Tarzan and Moana and a lot of other things. And so and, and since the music was kind of the crutch of this movie, it put a lot of pressure on him. But I thought he did a really good job of kind of blending the different styles of music and everything, so classical and rock and and all kinds of different stuff. Um, Freddie Highmore does a phenomenal job in it. Uh, Jonathan Reese Davies, Jonathan Reese Davies, Jonathan Reese Myers, <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, Carrie Russell uh, reuniting a year later after uh, Mission Impossible. So maybe you know, maybe she survived, and this is their love child here. But uh, they play the parents, and I thought they did a good job. It's not anything that's gonna like you know win awards or anything like that. It's just it's it's kind of the one on my list. It's just like a really feel good movie. Yeah, so I saw this movie like when it came out around that time. I haven't seen it since. Uh, I was it was on my watch. I just ran out of time today. Obviously, um, I remember liking it. I don't, but it's one of those movies that 
probably hasn't stuck. Like you brought it up, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that movie." I haven't thought about it really since two thousand seven, but it's one that I'm really I want to check out again. I just haven't. Got and it. honestly, the first half of the movie, I rewatched it today for the first time in years myself as well. And the first half, I'm going, mm, maybe I should move this down my list because I still enjoy it, but it wasn't hitting me as much. But then the second half, it really picked me up. So, gotcha. Everybody else on August Rush, how close was it to making? I haven't list? seen it. Nope. Yeah, I, I, I like really? this movie. I it's, kind of, it's, it. it's kind of a bummer that um, Kirsten Sheridan, the director of this, never directed a movie again after this. She's yeah. like the she's the daughter of Jim Sheridan, who did like all those Daniel Day Lewis historical, mm-hmm. like in the name of the father, the boxer. Like she's the daughter of that director. And then she weirdly did TV, I think, and then never really worked too much again. Um, I would like to see her make another movie. This is a really good, solid movie. I really like Carrie Russell a lot in this movie. Um, I think Terrence Howard, right, is the counselor. I want to say. I think he's Rob Williams is kind of the well, as much as there's a villain to the movie too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an interesting figure, but um, I like this movie. It's like a solid 2000s sort of kids inspirational kind of coming of age drama that's like in the vein of like an October Sky kind of thing. It's got like a similar yeah. sort of arc. Yeah. Um, it's a solid movie, and it's got similar title to October October Sky. It's, it always I always <laughs> always mix those two movies up in my head, but it's a good movie. I just don't love it. It's on my Robin Williams watch for this year, but I, I'm not there yet. Um, okay, what's your five? Uh, my five is Juno. Same. Okay. Perfect timing. Uh, should I talk about that now or wait for Coho? Yeah, you can both talk about it now. Okay. Um, so in a lot of movies, one thing that really appeals to me is great screenwriting, especially in terms of great dialogue. Um, that's why I tend to like, you know, Shane Black. I like uh, Christopher McCory, Aaron Sorkin, especially. Um, and Diablo Cody, while her style is definitely not for everybody, because it's a very quirky, kind of unnatural dialogue to it, but I also find it very entertaining, and I always love that kind of, you know, banter. And I think she writes it very well. Um, you know, in the years since then, she's kind of not been doing as much stuff and kind of hasn't, you know, kept a consistent career. But I thought in this one, I thought she did a great job. Um, Elliot Page uh, obviously kind of broke onto the mainstream. Uh, most people hadn't um, uh, hadn't been familiar, but, uh, but but yeah, the whole cast. I mean, you got Jason Bateman, you got uh, Jennifer Garner, um, J.K. Simmons, and Allison Janney as the parents. I thought were the highlight of this movie. Um, not only because of great acting performances, but I liked the way that they were. You know, they weren't the parents that really freaked out that she got pregnant. They were still very supportive of her. Very, you know, kind of helpful you know parents they, they weren't uh they weren't angry at her and, and stuff but it, it kind of it had a good nurturing environment to it um but yeah i mean it, it's one of those movies that the story again the story kind of is what it is but it was all for me all about the dialogue and the acting yeah um this movie uh is a time capsule of the 2000s in a very big way from the opening scene the way uh that um Elliot Page and uh, fuck, I am forgetting about his name. Dwight. Dwight. What's Dwight's name? Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson. Thank you. Rain Wilson. The way Rain uh, Wilson just talks to Juno in the opening scene uh, is so indicative of the time period and just sets you right where you are. And from there, just we just go. Uh, J.K. Simmons and Allison Janney are great uh, as the parents. I love them. Uh, I love Allison Janney, uh, but not as much as Bowman. Uh, and I think that Jennifer Garner and Jason Bateman are actually really underrated in this movie, especially uh, Jason Bateman. Uh, both give like very different performances than I'm used to seeing them give, especially Bateman being kind of an asshole. Uh, and like I'm not used to him being kind of a bad guy in a movie, and he and he really plays that role well. Uh, Michael Sarah 
is being Michael Sarah, but like not to the degree that he's annoying. Uh, I really enjoy his performance actually of just being kind of like this, this kind of athletic scrawny kid, which is like almost an oxymoron. Uh, Diablo Cody's script is great. Uh, I love Jason Reitman it's, and he's a director who is, um, I found very like either, er I think it was like early last year where I just went on a run and watched a lot of his movies uh, from last year. And I, I love all of them. Thank you for smoking Juno up in the air. It's like an unbeatable run of movies for me. Um, so, uh, but this is a great movie. Uh, and uh, yeah, fantastic. Um, so I rewatched this movie for this list. Um, I don't love this movie. I appreciate this movie. I think the movie is fine. Um, I think there are parts of it that, of course, like J.K. Simmons and them, like, I think that's, those are great moments of the movie. Uh, Michael Sarah is just one of those annoying actors that I absolutely just physically just dri drives me crazy on screen. He just drives me crazy on screen, and it's hard for me to get past that on certain points. But overall, like, I don't think it'll ever crack like any like, top 500 movie for me, but it's not offensive to watch. Me and my wife enjoyed watching it. There were, there were, there's those elements like dealing with dealing with all that stuff like that's it's it, you're right it's a time capsule of that time and it's a flashback of how old i am um but um so yeah uh or how old i'm getting uh so yeah i think the overall movie uh was fine just didn't love it i wouldn't put it this high at all or even on the list yeah i i like this movie a lot i think that movies yeah, there's this movie's faced with this dumb criticism where it's like it's so 2000s and it's like that's the point like that's when it came out it's like a total time capsule um i love diablo cody as a writer you know as many people know i'm a big fan of some of her other movies that she's written um i think elliot page is great in this movie and i think that's like sort of goes overlooked a lot of people talk about the adult actors but i think elliot page is really really compelling and brings a lot of warmth and it's so weird that jason reitman went from like one of the most cynical movies ever and thank you for smoking to something so earnest like this and i think that's a hard transition to land and i think that's a really good job by him um you know it's a movie that i i, I like i don't love i do think that sarah actually is used well because the movie is on his weird neurotic level it's not like he doesn't feel out of place in this movie like he does with some others um i don't love him as an actor either me and cody have talked about this a bunch of times but um yeah it's a super solid movie i really like it it's a great time capsule but it's just not one of my favorites from this year that's super loaded i I watched it once in high school and I didn't love it. I've been meaning to go back to it, especially like I feel like it, it markets to me. Everything about it markets to me really well, and I've been meaning to find a way. I just haven't got around to it. I think I think it's one of the best cast movies of the two thousands. I think there's no argument there, but that's really all I can say. Okay, watch four. Uh, number four, I have a uh, Sweeney Todd, Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Yikes! <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Oh, there's gonna be and it got yikes. Okay. Thank you, Brian. There's gonna be carnage later. I know there won't be in June, but there's gonna be carnage later on the show. <laughs> Seven, friends. I want to go home. I hate here. You are home. I need an adult. I need an adult. Um, my number seven. Hot rod. <laughs> oh my God. I. So this is this is movie on my ten. I think I have the I honestly have the least to say about it. I watched it on call with like Bar and a few other friends like a few months ago, and I just had a really great time. I think Sandberg is a really is a comedic actor who I've just been really interested in ever since I watched Popstar. I'm trying to back to Russia, and I was really surprised with this. Uh, it, the whole supporting cast I think makes for a great film. It, it made me fall in love with Isla Fisher again. That's like that's like that's hard. Um, I think there's the whole plot of it is something I can, I can get strangely invested in for such like a weird out there comedy 
but at the same time, like I think it's dumb. It's it's dumb humor works in really surprising ways. Namely, the cool bean sequence that shouldn't that has no reason to work as well as it does. And I think that that goes a lot in favor of the filmmakers themselves. I think they did a great job making something as fucking ridiculous and dumb as this work as well as it does. Fucking hate this movie. Um, I can't stand. I can't see any Sandberg. Um, so that's where that's where it boils down. So I and I said that for the longest time, and I'm slowly starting to turn that narrative. I can't stand old Andy Sandberg. I love pop star. I I really enjoy Palm Springs. Um, so like there are movies that he is making that I am enjoying more than most. This is not one of them. Then this is one that I absolutely refuse to watch this list. I did not care. It would only have hurt your chances of putting this thing on the list. Uh, 2007, group of friends. We just got this new comedy. is out in theaters. Let's go watch it. I had the same reaction. I had the same reaction to enjoy your dinner. I had the same reaction to uh, I had the same reaction to this movie that I had to 2019's Hellboy in the theater. I just wanted Whoa. to leave and I wanted to get out. I did not laugh. I did not chuckle. I hated my title. And it has stuck with me as one of my least favorite comedies, uh, and I will not watch it. Uh, everybody else on Hot Rod, how close was it? I don't really care if you like it or not. But. This should have been a movie that worked for me, because like I like Andy Samberg, and I like a lot of the actors that are in this movie. And I did laugh at a couple jokes, but on the whole, I just was really annoyed watching it. Um, it's it's like, and that makes me sad to say, because like this is a movie I thought I would like because. All my friends liked it, and normally we're on the same page with comedy. And this time we weren't. And I just do not, I do not connect with this movie in the same way as like Holtzman. So I, I love this movie. It, it just barely missed my list. Um, to me, the, the, the conceit of this movie is so fucking funny. Like just the premise of like him pay, trying to get this money to pay for that stepdad surgery just so he can fight him is like one of the most hilarious conceits for comedy for me. Um, I think Sissy Spacek is underratedly fucking hilarious in this movie, and like she gets a totally different comedic level than everyone else. Um, but I love the Eddie Samberg's comedy always works for me. The What You Say sketch on SNL, like all the stuff he does really cracks me up. Um, this is probably like of his movies, this is probably my least favorite of them, um, but I still really enjoy it. I could watch it at any time. Um, yeah, I find it hilarious. Ian McShane's really funny in it. It's not like one of my all time, all time favorites, but like for sure, I feel like I could watch this on any given day. And that's the example of somebody that knows how to play your list <laughs> perfectly. Um, go ahead, Brad. Yeah, well, you know what? When I first saw this movie, I didn't really like it at all. I mean, I didn't hate it like you did, but I, I wasn't a big fan of it at all. And then I rewatched it like three years later, and I found it really funny, actually. And I don't know if it's just because, you know, by then I had seen more in Andy Samberg or whatever and kind of knew what to expect from the Lonely Island guys going into it or whatever. I don't know. Maybe it was in a bad mood the first time I saw it. Ahead it. of its time. I think it, it was too early because this kind of cringe comedy wasn't in the Really? Yeah, because, I mean, since then with, with Pop Star and Paul Strings and all these other things and just Lonely Island videos, that kind of thing, I guess, you know, I know more what to expect from them. And so I went back and watched it, and I actually thought it was a lot funnier. Now, it still pales in comparison to their newer stuff like pop star in that, but I, I enjoy the movie. You would never made my list, but I enjoy it. Hot Rod's brought to you by uh, Costco Pizza. Oh, sorry. So my, number six. Something really passionate about. It's about a man who really just 
loves what he does and wants to make a profession out of it. So he goes out and he follows his dreams. Oh, Jesus. He's also a penguin. He's a surfer. Number six is surfs up. <laughs> put the, put the stream yard names back on there. <laughs> I predicted this. I predicted this. <laughs> I want to point. So genuinely, I recommend everyone to go back and watch it because it works surprisingly well. The whole movie is framed out of this, out, out, out of this, like it's a, it's a documentary style and basically following these servers who like, who might break it big and might be like the next big superstar. And I think every character in here is just really, I think, I think Shia LaBeouf, he gives a good vocal performance, but on time, I am, shut the fuck up. I think, not only does he, does, he a good, does he give a good performance? I think the character is genuinely engaging. I think his whole journey is great, meeting like this dude who looks up to him, who, who he basically based his whole like mantra and his life and his uh, drive about. The villain is a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> but his obsession with his trophies is fucking hilarious. And Chicken Joe is great. <laughs> I, I think the movie, it fulfills my need for dumb comedy, but also it actually. It works well with the documentary style, and it's one of those few sport movies I actually fucking enjoy. Oh I just God. everything here shouldn't work, and it absolutely does. And I recommend people to go back and give it another try because I think it has aged beautifully. No, <laughs> this will stay in 27, 2007. I will not go back. I will not watch this again. I was a I was eighth grade, maybe. I don't even know how fucking old when this movie came out. And we would sneak. Shut up, Brian. I know you're old too. But I just crossed into 30 and I cried, okay? Listen, we would go to the theater and watch like six movies and just hop theater to theater. And one of them happened to be Surf's Up. And I wish they would have caught me and thrown me out. This movie sucks. So go ahead, everybody. How close was Surf's Up? I go ahead, go, go ahead. This is my top ten worst of two thousand seven. Uh, I think this movie. You've only seen like thirty movies from two thousand seven. Uh, I've seen hey, four, forty. Still need about forty. Yeah. Okay, Ryan. Uh, I I won't say this was close, but I do find this movie funny. I think like making a mockumentary out of an animated penguin surfing movie is like the kind of unhinged shit that I totally support like existing. It doesn't fully land for me, and like some of it, I think John Heater kind of sucks in this movie as the fucking chicken Joe. I think his voice sucks horrible. in every movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that that is interesting bro. but no i think it's pretty funny it's not like amazing it is one of those things i have some nostalgia for i think i had the the gamecube game back when it came out but like you know it's a movie that i enjoy but i don't love and it's like you know it's it's fair of course i knew it would be on this goddamn list because i just know you 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 guys are just the way you are um all of y'all are just yeah but you know it's okay this movie's trash <laughs> um i will just say that i don't if I've ever seen this movie, I don't really remember it. I think, I mean, I know it's been on the screen, like the kids watching it at some point in their life, but I think even they were like, yeah, one one and done is good for us. Well, it's so. like it's like too weird for kids. Kids don't yeah. a mockumentary <laughs> like style movie. Who is it for? Like, I don't know yeah, who's so voodoo. I don't know whose voodoo I have that has this on there, but we I were mean, scrolling through and my kids saw it and we're like, what's uh, nothing? We went through. It's like the Tom and Jerry movie. We just keep turning off the TV when we see that shit play. So, nope, not happening. Not in my house. Uh, five. My number five. It's an animated movie I think y'all can get behind. Ratatouille. Yikes. Thank you. Yep. And Cobra Paper Cock. My number four is Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Um, honestly... Maybe my, maybe my favorite comedy of the decade. I think everything about this movie works amazing. In my defense, there's, there's, there's a movie we get to later. I haven't fucking seen it. There's movies I haven't seen. 
But I think Lockhart is genuinely just fucking hilarious. The entire cast is phenomenal. I think sending up music music biopics is great also because it's aged great because it continues to be correct. No one else can change the fucking formula. And the person who mastered it is what, like, the, the fifth best part of Chicago. Like, I think all of the songs are wonderful. Uh, even the little in-jokes about me meeting uh, fucking the Beatles and Cody Banks as um, whoever the fuck he is. <laughs> um, Cody Banks I mean, his real name. <laughs> it's, 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 that's all he fucking is. Cody right, thank Banks. You. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized, oh, I was like, who fuck. is that actor? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're quoting <laughs> aging Cody Banks. This is so Cody Banks is in this movie for some reason, and he's good. Don't kill me. Oh, do it. I'm, I'm selling this horribly. Listen, it was my number eight. I don't love this movie to the degree Spence does, but is it a good fun time? Yes. I laugh at pretty much every joke. It's a fun time. The ensemble cast works really well. There's a really, I, I think it's very quotable. Uh, our group does uh, throws the quotes back and forth all the time of just the of the wrong kid dad. He <laughs> needs more and less blankets. We've been teaming uh, after it now. You know, yeah, who has hands, hands, hands. The devil. How do you use them for holding? Right. Like I think this movie is is fun and it's it, it's. I'm not going to call it smart humor, but sometimes it can be smart in how it sets up a joke and then executes it. Um, also, I'm not going to back up Spence on John C. Riley being the fifth best part of Chicago. He's like the best part of Chicago. Chicago Fuck sucks. I praise. Yeah, I was going to say not, not Chicago not. sucks. Fuck you. Uh, second best. Um, but take the whole deeper. Yeah, this is a very, this is a this is a comedy. I I don't love it as much as everybody else in the community, but I had a lot of fun watching it when it came out and i've watched it a few times since it's very smart humor it, it's kind of a weird how this whole story like how they made the movie like how they came about like <laughs> walk the line came out in 2005 and they're like you know what we need to do fucking rip that shit off and make our own one and it worked i i'm i'm the total opposite of person i'm one of the people in this community that can't stand spoof movies like i do not find them funny i they're just not my this is one that actually works in certain ways i've quoted it I've had fun with it. I don't like how much of a resurgence this movie is making in our community right now with people naming their team names after it. And I get on call and I hear the wrong kid died and the devil has hands. Like I'm really getting old of that already, but it's a fine movie. It wouldn't have made my top 10 list, but I, I it's, not a, it's not a bad movie in my eyes to have on here. Uh, Paul and Brian, did this come close? Well, you know, we, we just did this on the 2000s comedy. So, I mean, pretty much everything has been said. Yeah, you know, has been said, especially the five-minute quotathon they went on in that episode. So please let's not do that again. Um, it, honestly, this one was on and off my list several times. I mean, it would have been like you know the eight to ten range, but I it, it's one of those that I just at some point I had to call the list, and at the time it wasn't on it. Um, I think it's a very funny movie. Um, like I said in the previous episode, Tim Meadows is probably one of the best things about it. But really, the, it's one of those where like everybody that shows up in that movie, even for one scene, I thought it did a, did a great job and it was a lot of fun. But just didn't quite make my final cut. Uh, this movie is just ripping off Josie and the Pussycats. I have to say that uh, that's a much better musical satire, which like, say what you will. Um, that's a way funnier and more perceptive movie. Um, there it is. There's our first one, Paul. 
Uh, there points. we go. <laughs> <laughs> you agree on with the weird? Yeah, there you go. But but I think this movie is pretty funny, and like I think in general, like the idea of it's cool. But I think it does like drive its bit so deep into the ground, and for me, it doesn't come around the other side to be as hilarious. Um, and I think it tries to be earnest at points, and that really just doesn't work for me. It's like a it's a perfectly decent comedy. I I like it. It's like a solid three and a half star movie. I think about. Um, it's not something that I think is like revolutionary, but it is. You know, it's kind of smart about about what biopics are usually like. That part's pretty accurate, but um, it's just a bit much for me. I think I need to revisit Josie and the Pussycats because I remember watching that movie and I think you may have a point. It's hilarious. It's, it's like, a fun movie. Well, you might have a PG-13 version because they made a PG cut that came out on TV and stuff. Don't watch that. Parker Posey is iconic in that movie, but anyway. I think I might have, yeah. I, I've seen it. I just, I've never it's seen been it. a long time. You should. Um, Paul, seven. Uh, my number seven is The Host. This is the Bong Joon-ho monster movie. People might think it's 06 because it says oh. 06, but it was released in 2007. Shit. Um, so, I thought this was uh, 2006. The next, okay, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a great monster movie that I think, especially now in like our today in, you know, in the middle of sort of lockdown quarantine hits even harder than it usually would. Um, it's, I think this is one of my favorite monster movies because it imbues the monster with actual emotion and it ties into this family. Um, I think Song Kang Ho is amazing and brings like this really groundedness to it. It's a much different character for him. Um, he's less confident. He's sort of like a little unsure of himself. But um, I think it's a great movie that has, again, it has like emotionality, but it's also scary in points. It's also funny. Like like every great Bong movie, it has all these different levels to it. And I just think this is such a great twist on the monster movie. And like the what, what he gets out of his budget is insane to me. I think this is a terrific, terrific movie. Um, a, a great find for me. I, I found this in like a library, like, at my college, my freshman year, and like that's how I discovered Bong Joon Ho, and like it was this great thing. Um, so I'd recommend it. It's a great gateway into his movies. I think it's just a great monster movie that's, that's got you know a lot going on beneath the surface. Um, it's on Hulu. I was going. It's your seven. I was getting. I was working the way down. Didn't get a chance. To, I'm gonna check it out. There's a lot like Parasite. I still need to revisit. There's a lot of his movies that I want to check out. Like the movies that he's made that I need to revisit or I need to check out for the first time. And this one didn't seem like. I feel like I would enjoy this movie. Um, I think you would. Think yeah, you would. it's on Hulu, so it's been on my. It's, I added to my watch list, so I'll probably watch it. I'm kind of glad that I didn't watch it for the show because I don't know. Uh, the show gives me like <laughs> angry eyes for movies that probably don't deserve it. So yeah, uh, the host is on my watch. And did anybody else see it? Cole, you can go last because you're going to have a visceral reaction to it. Anybody else see the host? Nope. I did see it I, like years ago, like when it first kind of hit the, well, I think I got it, I rented it on DVD or something when it first came out. Um, but there was kind of before I was, I was just kind of starting to get into like uh, a lot of Korean cinema. And so, you know, I hadn't at that point uh, seen uh, anything else like that. He's done like Memories of Murder, Barking Dogs Never Bite, all those kind of things. Um, so I, I didn't have an attachment to the director or anything. Um, but I, I enjoyed the movie, but I think it had been at the time so hyped up. Everybody's talking about this, this great phenomenal, you know, movie and and I, I was a little disappointed by it i've since rewatched it i think just the one time again and and i enjoyed it more but i mean i think it's still you can see kind of where uh his direction is kind of you know grown and improved since then but it's, it's still an enjoyable movie this movie is super cool uh i watched it uh, i think it was a 2006 movie when i was doing my 2006 watch uh so uh i gotta change that on my letterbox list this was at, this would actually probably be like in the 13 12 range for 2007 um, it's, it's really fun. It's like also a very different kind of monster movie. I really like Song King Ho in it. Um, yeah, it's, it's really cool. Uh, I think the monster, uh, is probably my favorite part of the movie. Um, and I wasn't expecting to like really, really like the monster that much watching the host. Cause I was used to watching like 
shitty monster movies. So it was very <laughs> different from what I was expecting. Uh, and it was a good time. So and don't try to watch this and accidentally watch the Saoirse Ronan one. I would not recommend that movie. All I'm saying is all the money that they're doing to the pro thing on Letterboxd, can they get the right release dates or can you just put it in the like? I mean, again, the, it's a, where it's you're a from. That's when it was released in festivals in the US, it didn't come out to 07. I feel like well, I count as 07. Well, also, Letterboxd is New Zealand based. They get their stuff off of the TMDB instead of IMDB, so it's not always accurate. Yeah. All right. Okay. My number six is Hot Fuzz. Uh, this, after rewatching a bunch of them, this is my favorite Edgar Wright movie for sure. I think this is just super whip smart, funny, um, great pacing. Uh, to me, this is like his most efficient movie in, in the terms of like, it's not trying to do too much. It's not being overly ambitious. I think it's a much more streamlined version of his style. That, and that's something I really appreciate. I think it's, again, it's a movie I can watch over and over again. Super quotable, fun, great crime movie, comedies, a bunch of different levels. There's obviously it changes into a different movie as it goes along. Um, but yeah, super memorable supporting performances. I love Olivia Coleman in it. Um, the two Andes, the guys that they work with, like all these little bit parts, I think is, is filled out really well. Um, and just from top to bottom, this is like one of my favorite sort of like movies that are in this vein, one of my favorite 2000s comedies. And I just think it's a great time. Yeah, this was my uh, nine. Uh, this is my favorite of the Cornettos. Um, I think this is the best of those three. It's his best directing outing for those three. Probably is between it's between that and baby driver for, I think is his like best job behind the camera as a director. Um, and I might slightly lean this one. I think that he, he does a lot. I love how he does a lot of setups for jokes that then get paid off in the background and aren't in your face. And it's super funny. Uh, I think, um, I think, uh, Timothy Dalton is so good in this movie. Uh, just the, you must stop me. I'm a slasher of prices. Uh, is he's so over the top, but just playing it perfectly. I love I love Simon Pegg and Nick Frost's uh, back and forth as uh, characters. This one, I just how they play off each other. Just have you ever, have you ever jumped in the air shooting two guns at the same time? And just I, I love how they uh, how they just uh, play off each other. It's a great movie. Anybody else have this? So I just watched this for the first time. Um, Again, I don't know how I. I didn't know that you hadn't seen this. No, I hadn't. Um, I I watched Shaun of the Dead when it first came out, but I didn't watch any of the other ones. Um, and I watched these recently. I didn't watch this like for this week. I watched this prior. Mm. Um, but this was my second favorite. I think still of them. I think I love World in that one more. Um, more, but this one is like the most like. I don't know, like. It like sort of you see how things play out. Like this movie, this movie had more things. I went in blind. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't see where it was going, and the twists and everything that were happening, like fully, like had me like holy shit. Like and the humor really works. I just thought this was like Holtzman, like you know, like oh, this is a great movie. Edgar Wright did it, blah blah blah. But no, it really stands up. Um, I think more watches it will move up for me. I just haven't watched it since, and I didn't want to burn a rewatch right now of it i want to let it sit for a little bit but no uh great choice this definitely deserves i understand why it's on people's list um it's nice to be on a show and hot fuzz isn't number one right now so like that's kind of <laughs> cool like it's not sitting at one so that's nice uh everybody else in hot fuzz how close was it Spence? uh so fun fact uh i marathoned all three of these in high school and in high school i was an edgy bitch and i didn't like any of them so I haven't had time to reformulate my opinion. It's just, I went and was like, oh, this is just British. Eh. I don't know why I was dumb. 
I hope we can get back to it. You know how Spence hard at the British. Jesus. Yeah. You know how Spence is watching a movie once. (laughs) I'm done with that shit. Basically. Um, for me, this this could have made my list. It's it kind of probably in, the, in down in the you know teens somewhere, um, but it's a movie I I really enjoy. It's you can kind of tell, just like you could tell in the first in Shaun of the Dead, that they really had a love for these horror movies, and that as much as they're parodying it, they were really really kind of you know trying to make their own and trying to make a love letter to those movies. At the same time, you can tell that they love these kind of action spectacles that they're basically spoofing and parodying. Bad boys. Yeah. And that's, I mean, especially me as a fan of those kind of movies, I love when they're like, you know, making fun of bad boys and point break and all these movies. And you can tell that they love them as well. And so they had a lot of fun making it. And that, that really showed through. Um, you got uh, Simon Pegg got to play a more, you know, serious character than a Shaun of the Dead, but he still managed to be just as funny, just in a different way. And I think it showed that all of them, like Ed, you're right. I mean, I kind of, I mean, I had seen spaced, but I kind of hoped that Shaun of the Dead wasn't a, you know, a, a one-hit wonder, and I was really happy when this came out. And this was also just a solid that I knew he was going to be a director to watch. I, I do want to point out, Cody. So recently, I actually did rewatch. I did rewatch a movie. I rewatched Lindsay Lohan's *The Parent Trap*, and that was a very good movie. So I'm learning. Paul, we can't uh, ban him on the chat. Like we I feel like I feel like we. I weirdly might be alone in this, even though for most people this would be on their list. My number five is *There Will Be Blood*. Uh, I know PTA, obviously a pretty divisive director. Um, I think this is one of the most amazing and towering performances that I've seen in a long, long time. Um, this is probably uh, pretty up there as far as my favorite Daniel Day-Lewis, but I think like, um, the opening, like the no dialogue, like the first 35 minutes, like the visual storytelling is like just immaculate. I think the way this movie just looks and feels amazing. Um, I think Paul Dano is like incredible in the two roles. He's not quite on the same level as Daniel Day-Lewis, but I think he's like pretty close and like at his age. That's a real accomplishment. I think by the time you get to the end, it's such like a full journey of this character and you just feel um, his sort of, his character imprinted into his world. And I love that the way that PTA sort of plays out that. Um, and yeah, it's just a, it's a super long epic. I know, you know, for some people, this kind of sort of artsy drama is not really in their wheelhouse, but to me, like this is always so effective, um, such great direction. Um, and just a movie that I just respect so much. It's not, again, some of these other movies are like some of my favorite movies of all time. So it's just, it's hard to crack that, but I, I really do love this movie. Um, and I think it's just so, so well-made and, and terrific. Well, this is probably my favorite PTA. Um, I've watched it before. I rewatched it for this list just to make sure my things are. It just works. This subject matter of the story that is told in this movie works perfectly for my type of movie. Um, again, PTA takes certain choices that I just don't like all the time. Like I think it is a little long at points, but overall, like even the first thirty-five minutes, it keeps me engaged the entire time with just nothing, which I'm you put aluminum foil on the wall and might get distracted. So like I was fully on board with this. Like I am, I think that I like this movie a lot. It's not probably ever going to be cracking like a top 100, but it's a movie I super, I respect it's, it is my favorite PTA that I've seen of his work. Um, so yeah, I great choice. It's one of the ones that I automatically put on my watch list for whoever put it on there. So, uh, yeah, great choice. Anybody else with There Will Be Blood? I know Coho has opinions. It's going to be last. <laughs> uh, I'll just I'll get this out of the way. Uh, I've never been able to get through this movie in one sitting, like all the way through. I don't know what it is with me in this movie. Um, it's just not, I don't think the movie's bad. 
It's just I don't think oh, the movie's. Thanks. I don't. Th- you don't think Carol will be blood's bad? Thanks. <laughs> okay. Well, I just don't think. I just don't think PTA works for me rarely ever. Boogie Nights is, and the Master are like the only exceptions to that rule. Um, I, I I I appreciate the cinematography. I think it's well done. I think Daniel Day-Lewis is giving a good performance. I like Paul Dano, but I just there's something about this movie that I just can never get through it. So, not really for me. Oh, uh, people know what a fan of Paul uh, Thomas Anderson I am. Um, honestly, I'd rather probably watch Paul W S Anderson movies. But <laughs> they're fun. But that I'm being said, some of them. that being said. I think this is the best of Paul Thomas Anderson's movies. Um, I actually very, I, I, I wouldn't call it one of my favorites of all time or anything, but I enjoy this movie. I thought it was extremely well made. A large part of that is due to Daniel Day-Lewis. You know, he's just got an iconic performance in this movie. But even the filmmaking throughout uh, of Paul Thomas Anderson's movies, this is the one that I think I can really get into the most. It's just like most straightforward sort of like, it's not the most, it's like probably the least PTA of all his movies, I would say. Yeah. I agree. It's so, I have tried to watch this movie four times, and I have never been able to finish it. This movie fucking sucks. Uh, I gave it two stars. One for one for Day-Lewis and one for Dano, because I think they're both brilliant. Everything I else, like, I, I fucking hate it. I don't fucking like being on this it. side of history. It is fucking sufferable. It is, so, it is boring. It like, I don't give a shit about anything about it. It has good scenes. My, my, my biggest thing about it is everyone praises the direction, cinematography, and the score. Cinematography, I get fine. Anderson is a director I really don't give a shit about. For me, this is the second worst film. That's because Inherent Vice is in fucking savable. It's horrendous. Inherent like, Vice is fucking bangers, so you can shut your mouth. <laughs> Fuck you, Paul. Uh, and then the score. Johnny Greenwood. The score, I cannot... It, it grates my fucking ears. It, it doesn't work with the film. Everything in film is, is, is just compounding bullshit that never works. I came on this show knowing I'd be on the side, and I cannot stand this fucking movie. <laughs> The maybe if Paul Dano played Chicken Joe in this movie, maybe then it would be on your list. <laughs> this needs more Shia LaBeouf as a penguin. That would make the this a thing good I will, I'm going to rewatch this movie because I don't want to be on this side of history anymore. <laughs> the only thing I will say is I do not I do not agree with Mark's take. I do not believe that it's the greatest performance of all time. But I think he's really good in the movie. I absolutely I think he's great. Uh, what's your four? Uh, my number four is a movie. I feel like I, someone else is going to disagree with me on this panel again, which is stupid. But um, my fa- maybe my favorite performance from this actor, one of my favorite movie stars, uh, Michael Clayton. Oh fuck, we're gonna go to war. <laughs> uh, this is a, like the ultimate writer's writer's movie, and I think the script for this is so goddamn good. Like Tony Gilroy is one of my favorite writers. I think the way that he skewers this kind of person in this industry, and the way that he positions Michael Clayton as this person. Um, who tries to fix other people's problems, but he can't fix his own. And that's like sort of his ultimate vice. I think that the, the Clooney performance, the Tom Wilkinson performance is like, to me, one of the great supporting performances of the last 10, 20 years. I think him as Arthur is like so captivating the scene with the baguettes when he turns it on in one moment, when all of a sudden he goes from this goofy kind of like out of his mind kind of guy and then snaps in and he says like, no, like if I wanted to, I could fuck you up mentally um, eat very easily. I think it's so compelling, and I love the way that this movie positions his character. Uh, it's like it's some some J.J. Abrams cinematography coming into my screen here. But um, that's what I'm saying. I was like, I'm not, <laughs> um, an angel in your damn shoulder. But I just think that this movie again, it's it's so sharp and smart and such great intimate drama. I love the way it concludes as well. Um, Kirk, one time in a match, tried to quote this. Do you misquoted the damn movie? I'm not the guy you kill. I'm the guy you buy. Um, and it's just an incredible. Tilda Swinton's great. This is the first ever we see of Catherine Waterston. 
Um, this is just terrific 2000s drama for me. And I think like from top to bottom is like just such an excellently made movie that is a, a writer's dream. So I watched this movie today. Um, I love parts of this movie and I also don't like parts of this movie. It's a back and forth of me. It's kind of hard to kind of determine where I'm at. So when this movie starts and the, the whole incident thing and he shows up and says the stuff like this, I thought it was going to be like one of those movies. Like, and it, I was just like, let's freaking go. And it takes a turn. But the turn it takes, it's a little slow at parts for me. But overall, I, I like parts of this movie more than the stuff I don't like in this movie. I think Tom Wilkinson's performance is absolutely incredible in this film. It's so like, shitty that he was the senior Javier Bardem because I think he would win an Oscar in so many other years. Since. I I 100% agree. It is insane how he it's that's a character that I that's an actor working that I always enjoy seeing in films. He's like one of those like he shows up and you're just like, "Yes." But this movie it's crazy. And I'm not I wouldn't say I'm like the biggest George Clooney fan. But everything that works out and the ending of this movie is so like satisfying. Um, it's just there's a lot of stuff. I think it would go up on a rewatch. Um, I was a little hesitant. Bowman did not like like this movie, so he told me. Eh. But again, it holds up from stuff 2000 on. He we're not in the same camp. Anything later, we're on the same camp. So I don't think it should be this high in my opinion, but I just saw it for the first time. But I think it's I think it's I think it's a good movie. I think it's a good movie. Um everybody else on this uh movie co-host going last, assume. I saw it, but I barely remember it, honestly. It's it's the it's kind of movie where the plot didn't really appeal to me. Um I'm sure the acting was good. And I, I kind of I'm curious what I can rewatch it now as he's talking about the writing. I kind of want to revisit it, but I, I honestly don't don't even remember it well enough to uh, comment too much on it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. It seems it like be super up my alley, but it's definitely it's, it's low it's low priority. But I'd probably like it. This is the kind of shit I love when movie stars like they're not they're not afraid to make themselves look stupid. And this is like making fun of George Clooney in a way of like him thinking he has it all together and like tearing that down. I love that shit. But go ahead, Coho. I don't like this movie. Um, I I, uh, I wouldn't. Here's the thing. I probably do owe this a rewatch. Uh, cause I, I was not in the place to watch that the day I watched it. I just kind of was like, I should watch this. I need to watch this for a thing. And, uh, did not walk away enjoying it. Uh, I found it super slow, super boring and kind of up its own asset points. Um, I, th I would refuse to say this is George Clooney's best performance. Uh, cause up in the air would like to go blow for blow with you. Up on in the air one. is one of the most overrated movies of the time. Oh my God, that's Paul, fine. get out fine. of here. The but Descendants would like a word too. That movie uh, also, so you want to talk to the guy from Hawaii about the Descendants? <laughs> we can talk about the Descendants. If George Clooney's in it though. Okay. Anyway, uh, I, 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 I think that George Clooney's good. I think Tom Wilkinson's great. I think Tilda Swinton's actually a little overrated. Um, I would not have given her the Oscar for this movie. Um, but I, I like Tilda Swinton as an actress. I just don't think that. Who are you that... giving supporting actress then in 2007? Uh, Kate Blanchett. I'm not the whole. Oh, uh, I think her performance in that movie is great. Anyway, um, this movie is one that probably deserves a rewatch. I just really did not love it when I watched it. I like George Clooney a lot. Uh, and I remember thinking he was fine in it, but I probably deserve to go back to this one. Okay. Um, it's on HBO Max. Go check it out. Um, uh, watch that instead of Zack Snyder's shit movie that's coming out tomorrow. Uh, Coho, seven. Okay, so uh, my number seven, we're going to stay with Disney a little bit. Uh, it's Enchanted. 
Um, Enchanted is one of those movies that um, I remember watching as a kid and really liking, and then coming back to as an adult and liking even more. Um, the way that Enchanted sort of plays with uh, the tropes that Disney has had in their previous movies and kind of almost satirize and parry themselves in a way that's really earnest and genuine and fun uh, is really sweet. I think Amy Adams is great in this movie. Uh, she does this great job of playing this um, this cartoon character in the real world and selling it in a way where you could uh, she could get annoying so fast, but her performance is so... Um, it's so genuine. It just you feel you feel like she is absolutely this character. Um, I like Patrick Dempsey in this movie a lot. Uh, I I think his sort of uh, his sort of biting sarcasm all the way through the movie works and is endearing. Um, and I think James Marsden is is so good as a as the traditional fairy tale prince come to life and just completely being an airhead. Um, it's it works for me really well. I think all the songs are great. Um, I really love That's How You Know. Uh, the giant Central Park number is so fun to watch, especially with just Patrick Dempsey walking along going, how do they all know this song? Uh, it's just super fun. Yeah, Enchanted's great. Um, so, uh, just like a match. Well, the match hasn't dropped yet, so I can't say shit about that. But um, my wife has stopped me from watching a movie before, and this is another one. This is a movie I have never seen. Oh, really? It's on my list that I've never watched. Um, it's always been on one that I need to watch. And I've been told that I would like it um, because of Disney and the stuff that I enjoy. So I'm going to I'm going to watch it with my wife. I'm going to save from YLS. I'm not going to judge it the first time after putting it on YLS. But everything I hear about this movie is good. Um, and so I, 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 it's not a negative put on this list because I'm pretty sure I will enjoy it. Everybody else on Enchanted. I, I've been meaning to go back and rewatch. I haven't seen it since I was like fucking eight. It's on Disney Plus for some reason. So just, yeah. I, I probably would love this if I got to rewatch though. This was on and off my list also several times. Um, I really love this movie. When it first came out, I avoided it because it looked, uh, I thought it would just be stupid. I mean, just the whole, you know, oh, a Disney princess in real life. And it just sounded like a dumb concept. Um, I ended up, you know, watching it at home with one of my kids wanted to watch it. And I actually sat down and watched it and loved it. And I've watched it several times since then. I mean, even the opening animated sequence, I kind of would love to see just an animated movie of these characters because I think it's really well done. And obviously you don't see it in any 2D Disney animation anymore. Um, Amy Adams, of course, I, I think like most people, I wasn't familiar with who she was before this movie. And she really, you know, this is kind of her big breakthrough and, and she's very good. I think uh, Coho is right that she, balanced it very well where the character could have gotten very annoying but she played it just perfectly where you know you're still entertained but it's not it never quite goes over the top and there's still still some kind of you know realistic person in there um my only complaints uh you have adina menzel in this movie and then you waste her because she doesn't really get to sing um so i mean there's that uh james marsden of course is always underrated he's great in everything he does and uh it's no different here shouts out sock the hedgehog he's the best part wow Everything he does, that, that James Marsden's good in everything is low-key one of the craziest takes on this. No, no, this James Marsden has made bad movies, but I think even in bad movies, I think he is pretty good. That's I still find that interesting. Okay, I, I like this movie. I always find it hilarious that this movie lost for Best Original Song three times, which is yeah. just hilarious to me. Um, but right, it's like a, lost. It's a perfectly charming movie that like I just don't think I've ever loved. Um, it's just one of those movies that I think is like a solid time at the movies but it for some reason it's never fully connected for me i really like amy adams in it 
and in general. Um, I don't really like Dempsey in this movie, to be honest. I think that's kind of what's holding me back. I, he's an actor that just doesn't do it for me. Um, so it's like good time, but it's it's to me, it's not nothing that's that rises to the level of great. Uh, and I work for Multiplex Entertainment, so I would be remiss to say it is a crime that Disenchanted is coming to Disney Plus and not theaters. Tim Bercala sends his regards to Disney. Um, he is very upset about that, and he will. Let Don't be so know. certain. They changed their mind on Cruella. They could change their mind on this too. True. What's your next one, Coho? Here's gonna be the biggest plot twist of the episode. Brian has it higher than me. Parts of the Caribbean, not well done. Thanks. <laughs> Holy shit! I'm honestly not surprised because Brian clearly. I mean, Brian's a bigger fan. He, he yeah, won, right. He, he, he won beat that me, match. He beat me. He but, did beat you. He did he beat, beat you. How many? How many? How many? For any for any police watching, in I match, also, he didn't beat I, him physically. I also looked I mean, up the information for that question. And it was fine. My five was Juno. We talked about it. Um, and then my number four is Superbad. Yikes! I'm done. Yeah, of course. <laughs> All right, Brian. What's your three? Superbad. Oh, never mind. I'm back. <laughs> there you go. Um. Yeah, I mean, Superbad's one of those movies, like, it kind of came out of nowhere. It's like, it, the movie came out, I remember, I think I actually went to a sneak preview of it, like, the week before it opened or something. People didn't know anything about it. They knew a couple of the cast members. I think they were really pitching, like, you know, like, like Seth Rogen and Bill Hader had parts in this movie. That's how they were basically kind of marketing the movie. And so you went and saw it, and it was just, it was just a revelation. I mean, it was beginning to end. It was laughing my ass off. Um, you know, Jonah Hill, Michael Sarah, and especially Christopher Mintz-Plass, who, you know, this is basically his giant breakthrough. And he was probably the best part of the movie. Um, this is just a movie that's, I'm not going to be one of the people that quotes the entire movie, but it's eminently quotable, like beginning to end. Almost every line in this thing has been thrown around constantly. Um, it's, I, I always like seeing a good R-rated comedy, which you don't see those so much anymore. Um, or when you do, they're, you know, like, you know, American Pie style sex comedy, which are fine. But then there's movies like this where, you know, you, it, not every joke has to be sexual. I mean, obviously it has its share, but then, you know, it, it can just be a, not something that doesn't feel like it's toned down for PG-13 just to bring in the you know, high school audience. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have much else to say about it. I mean, it's got everybody in the world is in this movie, especially from kind of the Judd Apatow universe and everyone they've worked with is in it. Um, Coho, what do you got to say about it? Um, I watched this for the first time last year uh, really? on a call with Scully and Boatman and Holtzman. Oh, on call, you got to stop watching these movies for the first time on call. Well, it was more so. Hold on, hold on. That, it, it actually made it better, to be honest with you, because uh, it, it worked. Having having the environment of of the my IRL counterparts uh, in this movie to watch this with me actually made it really fun. Um, I I think this movie is super smart, super funny. Um, the jokes really work for me. I love the chemistry between everyone in this cast. Uh, honestly, Seth Rogen and Bill Hader might be my favorite parts of this movie um, as the cops. I think they do such a really good job of being these really lovable guys that you think are just idiots and blind and they're like McLovin's fooling them. But then like on rewatches in hindsight, you're like, oh shit, no, they're not, they're not fooled. They know exactly what's happening. They're just trying to you know, help this guy along. Uh, I, I I think this is a really funny movie that works for me really well, and it's going to be one that I rewatch a lot. Um, having Emma Stone and Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah all in this movie, really young, and like when they're first starting, was so weird to see. Like, oh, so this is why we have Emma Stone today, and how we get all these people, <laughs> or this is why we have Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah. It was really funny. Um, I think this is a really funny movie, and I, I like it a lot. There are a few things that annoys Brian Michaels. One is quoting on the show about movies. Um, I'm going to do some of that. No, uh, this movie 
I absolutely love this movie. It came out at the right time. I was entering high school. I will still die laughing to this day when he gets spit on and say, hey, tell your friend he can't come either. And he turns around and tells his friend, hey, you can't come either. Uh, it's just that slight moment. Like, I just hurt that guy. But it's so funny throughout. I love the cops. I love everything about this movie. It just works perfectly. The, uh, Michael Sarah works in this movie. For me, I don't like him in mostly anything, but this is the movie that actually works. And Jonah Hill is so damn funny. I I, I love his kind of humor in like other movies that he goes on. Like I think I uh, I was about to watch like War Dogs the other day for the first like I seen it before, but I, I was gonna rewatch that movie because I think Jonah Hill is just a funny character, a funny guy. Uh, but this movie, I think we talked about it last week on the last 2000s comedies. It's just one of those movies that will always rank really high. It's it's oh it's it's overly sexual at parts, but also it has that it has that coming of age like going off and leaving your friends behind and stuff like that. And again, I'm with Paul. Stop watching movies on things. I think comedies work, but about Schmidt is still one of the weirdest fucking things ever watched <laughs> that, that together was, on call. In their defense, um, I watched it for a deep. It happened one night as way more egregious. It was a good time. One. It happened one night. It's way more, way more egregious to watch on call for the first time. That's like it's a it happened one. It happened one night. Yeah, I think that was one of them. That was, that was, that was one of them. Weird times. Um. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. This is like the ultimate cable rewatchable for me, where it's like it's not one of my absolute favorites, but if it's ever on TV, I'll turn it on, catch a forty-five minute period of it, and that's like the perfect way to watch it. Um, I actually don't. Like this is gonna sound crazy. I don't love the cops as much as I love the rest of the movie. I think the kids are kind of the funnier part for me. Coho thinking the cops were fooled by them is like big teenager who thinks his parents don't know right. drunk energy. So I think that that's hilarious right. that you believe that. I think that's no. very in <laughs> like, character, and I'm not blaming you for it. I just think that's a funny. You, you're cutting off the second half of the sentence where I was like, "Oh no!" Then you totally realize. No, I know, but it's, it's, it's very watch. obvious from the beginning. Fair. Yeah, um, I think the Dave Franco cameo is really funny. In it. The super short, he just pops in and it says this, this sort of one little short line but um yeah again super funny movie not one of my all-time all-time favorites it's one of those coming-of-age comedies that leans way more comedy uh, which makes it more rewatchable but makes it a little less of a personal favorite for me so just a movie i really really like but is you know probably in the i don't know 13 to 17 range or something for this year remember when i said i hadn't seen a 2007 comedy people really like that's this one Never seen it. Well, Never where seen were it. you? You could have just hopped on call and watched it together. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I was studying. Spence for a was. Spence was. Spence was. Actually, let's let's not litigate that. Let's not litigate this. Let's go to Spence's number three. Uh, Spence, what's your three? Uh, my number three is one that I hope I won't get shown for this time. Uh, it's once. Yeah. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, uh, once is about a really depressed Irish guy and an also sort of depressed Polish girl who sort of meet up. And they, they sort of they try to date and it doesn't really work out. So they just they follow the passion for music and start a band together and they both try and get out of this place where they're just both stuck and they don't and they don't really feel like they have any freedom or growth. And it's a really beautiful movie. Uh, I've seen honestly, okay, so Co Cody can pick the, pick this up on this. I've seen this like five times. And it just really strikes a chord because it starts on one of my favorite like original songs for any movie music mu musical music movie ever with uh, Say It to Me Now. I think it's a great intro for just understanding sort of like the depth and the pain that he goes through of just being stuck and almost homeless really with how much, how little money he makes. And then really rediscovering his passion for music uh, with, the, I think, I think she's just credited as the girl uh, even. And I think all the music is fantastic. And it's uh, John Carney's first film. And I feel like he grew a lot as a filmmaker following this. 
and next to all sort of shit. But I think this is this is this is like the great first seeds of a really wonderful filmmaker. Saw this today. I think it's fine. I think it's fine. Uh, I'm, not absolutely, I'm not absolutely in love with the film. Um, uh, that song, what, Falling Slowly? Right? Yeah. Yeah, that song has been in my head the entire day. I think it's a great song. I think it's really good. I think the, they're playing off. It's just something was missing to, like, hook me and, like, go with the movie. Not that I didn't have a bad time. Never thought, like, it never fall in that two range that I want to turn off and say this is trash and I don't want to see this. It just, maybe on a rewatch it could go up a little bit, but it wasn't just not what I wanted it to be. Um, some of the music's really good. The, they're, 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 the acting, um, the chemistry between both those characters are really sound. It's not a very long movie, so it didn't overstay its welcome. Um, but for me, Probably not one of my personal favorites. Three is insanely high, but for you, I understand because um, you're about to break the fucking internet soon. Um, everybody else on uh, once. You actually described it perfectly how I would, in that you know I, I like the music in it, I like the people in it. Just there's nothing that kind of hooked me into it and made me just love the movie. Um, but you know, it, it's kind of the, it's the kind of thing that you know I'd watch it again, but it's not going to be a favorite of mine. Um, yeah, this is a movie that I like. Um, I don't love. Um, it's probably my least favorite of the three Carney music movies, which is kind of kind of weird considering that I like really, really resonate with the lead character. Um, and I, 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 uh, I just in not like in some ways, but not. Oh, I'm, I should be very careful about. But anyway, uh, I, I think Once is is good. It's a good movie. Falling Slowly is great. Uh, I, it deserved to win. It's a great song. Uh, but yeah, between this and Street Begin Again, this is my least favorite. It's better than Sing Street. I just I'll give you what that. What the fuck, Cody? <laughs> it's better than Sing Street. I like this better than Sing Street. Wait, so do you think Begin Again is his best film? I haven't I seen Begin Again. Okay, okay. So right You're now, this is who right said now, what? You're confusing who said what. Co-host special. said it's the worst of the three, and then yeah. Cody said that. Yeah, I like Begin Again more sucks. than once. Cody, Cody has only seen once the Sing Street, so by default, once is the best John Carney movie. <laughs> Once is number All one. Right. So I, like Cody, watched this today because I know our panelists, and I'd never seen it until today. Um, I think the begin—I didn't realize how lo-fi it is. Like the beginning of the movie is shot like a YouTube prank. Like it yeah. doesn't even look like a movie almost until it gets like twenty minutes right. into the movie. Um, I think it's like a, a pretty charming movie. This should be one of my favorite movies though, because like as people might know, I'm obsessed with this kind of movie where it's like two strangers have this chance encounter and they have this special connection. And then for whatever reason, like they're sort of pulled apart by fate, by time, by whatever their lives circumstances are. But for some reason I didn't buy their chemistry really together is like not even like romantically, but just in general, it, the movie kind of feels like it's a bunch of scenes and then it's forcing to connect them because sometimes it doesn't make sense. Like why she follows him at the beginning to go to his lunch that like, why does she want to do that? That stuff doesn't connect for me. So like, the music's great, especially again, Falling Slowly is an amazing song, totally worthy winner. Um, but for me, it's like a collection of good scenes and moments that like, I, it just does not connect well for me at all, which is why like, it just like sort of, it's like, it's a solid movie. I really like it, but I'll probably only watch this movie once. I will say the Broadway show is better than the movie. That's bullshit. That is absolute bullshit. The, the, it's like Sing Street. The original songs are the worst part of the musical. Oh, Sing Street has a musical on Broadway. Fucking terrible. But once translates pretty well. 
There's no Ed Sheeran. That's true. Where is it? Uh, I saw a review. It's like you'd be better Ed Sheeran. Oh, please no. Please, please no. Please, I'm gonna no. fuck, I'm a fuck I you up, big really, bitch. I, I just laughed really. Ed Sheeran's great. Get off my dick. Um. Whoa. Uh, I was whoa, never you, on the first. Not you. Not you, Spence. Spence was, this is no. this is the movie I told Cody not to watch. I'm sure nobody's seen it. This is a movie called X Cross from 2007. Uh, X Cross, it's no, no ED at the end, by the way. Um, X Cross. So this is a Japanese slasher directed by the son of the guy who did Battle Royale. Um, this is a movie of basically about this girl who just got out of a tumultuous relationship. Her and her friend go to a cabin out in the country, and all of a sudden they discover they're around this cult um, who chases after women's body parts, and they have to fight back against the cult. Um, one of the women has like this giant scissors that's like the size of like half a human person and is fighting people with that. There's an insane battle with the scissors and another weapon I won't spoil because it's this amazing clash that goes down. Um, again, it's like a super low-budget um, Japanese slasher movie from the 2000s. I feel like a lot of people, this is not for them necessarily, but this, I saw this in a theater in a Japanese horror class I took in college. Maybe the most fun I've ever had at a movie theater. I, this blew up. I did not know what to expect going in. It's this sort of madcap, kind of wild um, slasher movie that's just really fun characters you connect to. It's got some interesting stuff with time where you don't know like what's happening in what sequence. They connect through these old ass cell phones and it's like they lose service all the time. So it's like there's that tension. And it's just one of my absolute favorite movies that's like, a subgenre I know a lot, not a lot of people are super into, but to me, this is like one of my all-time favorite under-the-radar movies to recommend to people. It's on YouTube, so you could probably find it if, you, if you're at all curious, but um, it's a very specific kind of movie, and I don't think that a lot, everyone would love it, but to me, one of my absolute favorites, X-Cross. Yeah, I'm really glad I didn't watch this, because um, this this would have affected your list <laughs> probably highly. It, doesn't, it just doesn't sound like a movie for me whatsoever. Um but yeah, I'm gonna pass everybody else. I of course I didn't watch this. Uh, everybody else on is Mike no one else on the panel? This, right? No, no, no. Fuck that. I just, I just love it. Sounds rad, I just, but no. I'm I just love as Paul started talking. Everybody on the panel was like, except me. So, I was just like, well, yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, it, it's a very it. specific type of movie, and if it, if what I described sounds appealing, I think you'd like it. If not, would highly recommend avoiding it. So that's basically my thing. <laughs> He doesn't want to see your trash reviews, so don't go seeking it out unless you think you're going to actually give it a shot. Um, all right, uh, Coho three. Hey, get your yikes out, Zodiac. Yikes! There yikes. it is. Um, Brian two. <laughs> Here's where I lose anybody I still had left. Um, my number two favorite movie 2007. I'm not saying it's the best. My number two favorite of the year. Live free or die hard. <gasps> I love this. I love now, this. I don't think I'm going to be last. Everyone knows I love Die Hard. It's one of the greatest movies, action movies of all time. Um, Live Free or Die Hard is actually, I think, the second best in the series. It's like not as good as the original, but it's better than two and three. Wow, you like it more um, than three. Damn. What? I do. I, I enjoy three a lot. It's, it's, it's got its flaws. This one, I thought, I, I mean, I went in not knowing what to expect from this because they're resurrecting it. It was what, like 12 years later after, after number three. Um, a different, you know, a, a director, Len Wiseman, who had done things like, you know, Underworld, stuff like that. And actually, I mean, I thought it still felt very much like the originals. I think Bruce Willis almost seemed like he cared again, which he hadn't done for a few years by that point, and he hasn't done since. Um, Justin Long, they added in, and he was obviously there as comic relief, but I thought that he served a function. He didn't seem like he was shoehorned in. He actually, it was a good kind of uh, 
foiled to like Bruce Willis is being, you know, totally stern and serious all the time. And he was more frantic and, and comedic. I think Timothy Oliphant, who is, you know, any Timothy Oliphant in, in a movie is usually a good thing. Um, he had a hard thing trying to live up to villains played by, you know, Alan Rickman and Jeremy Irons. But I thought he was a very, very good as a villain's character. Mary Elizabeth Winstead as the daughter. I thought the action was very well done, very well filmed. Um, the score was done by a different guy, Marco Beltrami, but it still felt very much like the original by Michael Kamen. Um, and the one thing a lot of people will, will harp on is the fact that they made it PG-13. But honestly, if this movie came out without a rating on it, you didn't know it was PG-13, you probably would not even notice. The action is just as hardcore. You know, there's no blood splatter. You might have, you know, they don't swear as, as much, obviously. But I don't think you even would have noticed it. When they made an R-rated cut of it to release on, on DVD, actually, when they put in swear words, it kind of just felt forced. And but I mean the theatrical version of this, uh, I thought was great, and I love the action. I love the series, and like I said, this one I think is the second best of the series. Have at it. So you said a very offensive thing in your speech <laughs> that you like this better than three, but you're not in the you're not alone on this. I absolutely enjoyed the hell out of this movie. You gotta realize I was a freshman entering high school when this movie entered, and I loved it. They fucking take out a helicopter with a car. They go, they go ape shit in this movie, and it's honestly not terrible. Like I don't like two even. I like I like this movie more than two. I enjoy this movie more than two. Oh, I have bad. a I have a lot of fun with this movie. It is. You miss certain elements, but really, you like there's some stuff you just don't. I overall like Justin Long. I think plays well with Bruce Willis throughout it. I think the action works really well. I think I'm with you. I think Bruce Willis is actually trying this movie. He actually, especially if you compare this next to the next one he does, he literally don't give doesn't give a fuck hey, anymore. Also, one after this, I don't want you talking about. Yeah. Oh, good, good point, good point. This movie, it would not make my personal top ten list. But I am not faulting you at all. As much as I know you, as much as I like this movie, and I, if it was on right now, I would watch the whole thing. I would not turn it off. I enjoy this movie a lot. So and for the record, I love number three. I just think that it the very oh, the ending falls apart. The ending falls apart. That's totally fair. Um, but yeah, I no fault. Everybody else, I'm live for you die hard. You can give us bullshit. I don't care. I've literally only seen the first three. Because Brian made me watch them for trivia, and I actually really liked one and three. I hated two. Uh, Who directed this one? This is uh, a Wiseman. Um, but I, I have heard from people that I might like this one if I liked one and three. So I might give this one a shot, and I have been told to avoid the fifth one like it's the plague. So what fifth one? Exactly. Only seen the first one. Uh, this was so. This was the first Die Hard movie I ever saw. I saw this in theaters when it came out. I was, I mean, I was, again, not not to date myself. I was ten years old when this movie came out. I saw this in theaters, um, which is a weird experience, obviously. So, like, this was always weird to be my tether into the franchise. Um, I remember liking Cliff Curtis a lot in this movie, weirdly, who's like not a super big role. Um, I think it's fun. I, I, I haven't, I haven't seen it in probably like six or seven years. I thought saw it again on DVD because my dad was a fan, so he, we we owned it, I think. But I haven't watched it really since then. I remember liking it. I feel like Koha would really like this because it's like got a lot. Of, it's like very modern in the way that Die Hard is like not always your kind of action movie. I think where I feel like you'd appreciate the style of this one more. Um, I think it's fun. It's not like amazing for me. It's like super solid three and a half star movie. It's not something that 
I hate, dislike, or I just enjoy it, but it's not like a favorite for me necessarily. Okay. Uh, Spence, what's your two? It's time, everyone. Zodiac. It's not times. Yikes. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> uh, Paul, what's your two? My two is one of my favorite movies of this genre, and I think a movie that more people need to see. I think the person who is supposed to be here would fucking love this movie. Thomas Scully would love this movie. My number two is The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Hell yeah! Um, this is, I think a lot of the people in this movie, it's like the best versions of themselves. I honestly think this is the best looking movie that Roger Deakins has shot in terms of from a, from a framing, from a you know composing um, sort of point of view, I think the the images that he makes in this are incredible. This is a movie that's like about stardom and celebrity, and I think the way it uses Brad Pitt as the star and deconstructs this idea of Jesse James because um, the whole thing is right. Robert Ford is obsessed with the idea of Jesse James as a figure, and he wants to obtain that status, and it's his desperation. Um, to become that by trying to befriend him and doing whatever he can. And I think the way that it sets those two guys um, on opposite ends is fascinating. I think this, the score by Caven Ellis is like one of the most amazing scores of my, one of my favorite film scores period of all time. The supporting cast in this movie is insane. There's like this crazy Jeremy Renner performance, Sam Rockwell's in this, like all the cast sort of from one to 10, one to 15 are all excellent actors who are all doing interesting work. Um, I think this is such a great, again, a great use of Brad Pitt as a figure. This and Moneyball use him as a figure to like dig into the idea of celebrity and stardom and power. And I think like how this does that is so brilliant and it's a long movie, but I think like to me, it flies by. I find it fascinating. It's um, again, one of my absolute favorite Westerns. I love how it looks and feels and the atmosphere is just incredible. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. So the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Oh, I absolutely love this movie. Um, there were movies going down that I was going to like watch, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to just start. <laughs> I'm going to start this movie and watch it. I just, I everything about this movie, I just enjoy the the length of it. Um, I hear the criticism. I ignore the criticism. I think it plays perfectly. I think it doesn't feel long at all. Um, I, the, like the supporting cast and everything around there is just super strong in this movie. I think it's just an interesting story. Uh, I told Tim the other, like back, like uh, during quarantine time, like start of it, I was like, you need to watch this movie. He owned it. I think he owned it, but he never like, watched it or something. Um, but it's like, and he watched it. He enjoyed it. It's just, I, I'm glad you brought it up because I think it, more people need to check this one out. Um, yeah, great movie. Great choice. Um, I'm going to probably finish it when we're done with this. So, yeah. Everybody else on this movie? I don't remember very well because I just remember being really bored by it. Um, it's over long. It's slow, which some people like that kind of thing. Not my style. So Throw a car in a fucking helicopter and get off. Then you pay attention. <laughs> Brian, I think it's slow in parts, like, but I think I think it, it it moves really well. And it like there's periods where it's like really fast, and then it slows down, and really fast, and it slows down. And I, I like will admit it. Things, I will admit that it's again, one that like, I've wanted yeah. to revisit because I yeah. I only ever saw it the one time. So, well, like Brian hit it on the head. Like we were uh, our little group was we were doing something based around those. I was like, oh yeah, I watched this movie. But then it's like it's like two and a half to three hours, and it's supposed to be super slow. It's like forty. Yeah. Yeah, I know it wouldn't be up my alley. I just didn't set the time aside for it. I might not ever watch it because of that. Cause I don't want to go into a movie and dislike it just because I got fucking ADHD and got bored. It's probably good though. I think I think I was the only one that actually ended up watching it for that. Uh, and it's it's literally my eleven. Um, I think this movie is great. 
Uh, I think Brad Pitt's really good in it, uh, and so is Casey Affleck. Um, I think that they both do a really great job. Uh, and I sat there through this movie always. I don't know if it's necessarily intentional, but I sat there the whole time in the back of my head with the idea of, okay, Jesus, Jesus is going to die now, right? Like, he's, it's coming. It's going to happen. And, like, watching this movie unfold, it was, like, almost really tense uh, in that way for me, watching it, knowing that Casey Affleck's going to do this at some point. It's going to happen. Um, I really love Sam Rockwell in this movie also. Uh, I think he's really, really good. Uh, and yeah, I absolutely stand by that Deacons should have an Oscar for this over another movie that came out this year and I didn't win for either. Uh, but he should have won cinematography for this one. Elswit is... No, no. Okay, but fair. I mean, Elswit's win is fair. But I, I still think this should have won cinematography in 2007. Okay, Cole, what's your two? Uh, my two, this is where it comes to the end of the line. Ratatouille is my number two. Um, Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Uh, Ratatouille. Uh, see, uh, when it comes to a favorites list, this and my one might flip. They go back and forth a lot. Um, but I, I absolutely love the story that Ratatouille tells, um, just about creativity and uh, accessibility of creators. Uh, I think that Peter O'Toole is probably my favorite performance in the entire movie. He's so good as Anton Ego. Uh, it's such a great monologue at the end that is just one of my favorite monologues in film, uh, let alone Pixar. Um, this movie's great. I love the score. I mean, I've talked about this movie a lot. I think everyone's talked about this movie a lot in all those aspects, but I think this is this is this is either my one or two Pixar. It goes back and forth between this and Finding Nemo for what my favorite Pixar movie is, and I love this movie to death. Yeah. It's 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 just it's a it's a really great line movie that really goes into some serious depth at the time that it just really surprised me. I'm a big fan of Pixar. I think Andre De Shields and Titus Burgess all did wonderful jobs in their performances. Get the fuck out of here, Smith. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. Remy the Ratatouille is the rat of all of our dreams. I think we need to accept it. Probably just been higher on everyone's list, honestly. I hate you. Took all for This movie this movie is fucking wonderful. It's one of my favorite Pixar movies. One of my favorite animated movies, period. Um Every rewatch, it just gets better. I think it's Jake Kano's probably his best score yeah. as well. Um, Pat Oswalt is an actor. I find myself like he always seems to be more of like like a person than an actor. And I watch people like, wait, no, he's actually like a genuinely good actor. I think he's great as Remy. And then Janine Garofalo, surprisingly, like an, an actress who I just like, I know the name, the way in which she is. But then her as Colette, I think, is a really great character. I really, I really like watching it. One of the best animated movies, just period. I think it's fucking wonderful. Uh, so the counter of how many times Ratatouille has been talked about the show on the show is what? It fits a lot of categories. Fits a lot. It fits a lot of categories. Um, but overall, um, I like this movie a lot. It is growing on my personal list. My kids really enjoy it. I don't ever get bored watching it. It's slowly creeping. I think it's in my top five now of Pixar. Um, but I really enjoy the movie. I've said it as much times as I can. I think the movie's really good. I think the score is good. I think the the message is good. So um, be nice to rats. Uh, everybody else, uh, what is your uh, what your guys' take on rat duty? I think you both have voiced it probably on the show at some point. You can voice it again for a quick minute. Well, I think Spence should watch more Jean Garofalo movies because Jean Garofalo is a very good, wonderful actress in a lot of 90s films, like Reality Bites. She's delightful. Um, I fucking hate Reality Bites, by the way. <laughs> I hate it. Get out. Um, <laughs> not, you shall not pass against Gen X. Um, but no, I think that this is, a, I mean, it's a, a movie I love a lot. Uh, it's, you know, fringe top five Pixar for me, probably. This is like, 
I think like if this was like a straight up like top 10 list, maybe this would be in my 10. I don't know. Like I really love this movie. I think it's a great deconstruction of what art means to people and what that, the, the, the fact that this movie, like that nobody really spends too much time thinking about the fucking movie about uh, the guy, the rat controlling the guy with his hair to cook right. is like one of the most insane things that a movie has ever done. And I give it a lot of credit because it's like, you don't really spend too much time thinking about it for the most part. Yeah. Um, and it still delivers. I think the ending is immaculate. Um, I think that what Spence said about the best Chichino score, I do not agree. Um, this is what we call Up, which is like, I think, a better score. But um, I, I think this movie um, is delightfully animated. It's, I don't, I wish that it used Paris more as like an actual location because it's really just like a city and doesn't really exist in Paris. That's kind of a small gripe, obviously. Um, action scenes are fun where he's getting chased around but uh, by Skinner. But yeah, it's, it's just a great movie. You know, it's, it's got a lot of great ideas just for me. Like the other ones, I think were a little more personal favorites for me. Yeah, for me, it's uh, it's a mid-tier Pixar for me. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't love a lot of Pixar films. I, I do have you know ones I consider my favorites, um, and there's ones I don't like as much. And this one's just kind of right in the middle for me. Um, I don't really have much else to say about it. I, I I haven't seen it in years and years and years, but it's just not when I ever feel like going back and revisit. I think the best thing about it is Patton Oswalt, but that's just me. Brian Dennehy's <laughs> great in this movie too. That's the sure. That is fair. Um, I was like, I, I was thinking, sitting here thinking, I, I know I've logged more movies than this, but I forget the one person that's missing and had movies on their list. Um, uh, go ahead. Uh, is it, we're Brian. What's your one? Brian's I wonder what it is. Well, if you're paying attention, you already know that my number one is Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Hell yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people don't like this one, uh, the trilogy, but I think it's, I, I think it's just, there are very few, in my opinion, here we go, perfect trilogies. This is one of the few. You got Indiana Jones, you got Star Wars. I'm not going to say Lord of the Rings because I don't really like that. But Indiana Jones is not a trilogy, so like that's a whole other thing. Yeah, it is. Let's, yeah, it is. So three of those. <laughs> it is. You're right, Temple um, of Doom is not a But movie. this one, the, the, the first three movies kind of made up a trilogy. It was one kind of contained story. And I think they actually made a mistake by making four and five. I think that, that oh, if they were going to make more, they should have done like, kind of like Star Wars and kind of done, you know, in the universe, but a different people kind of thing, which maybe they're doing now. We don't know what they're doing. But the first three movies, I thought, were all very well done. I think the swashbuckling action was done great. I think that they did a great job of blending the supernatural with like kind of the physical action. Um, the characters and the character arcs throughout the story, whether it be uh, Jack Sparrow or whether it be uh, Elizabeth or Will or uh, Jeffrey Rush's... Um, uh, oh, my God. I forgot his name. Barbosa. Barbosa. Thank you. I almost said Barnabas. <laughs> like, that's not right. Uh, <laughs> But I mean, I, I thought that they kind of, this kind of, everything came to a culmination in this movie. I think that uh, um, uh, Calypso, uh, I thought was a great addition to it. I think everyone like Tom Hollander and uh, Chow Yun-Fat and all the new characters they brought in, they all fit very well in the universe and they added something to it. The score is phenomenal. Um, I, I think it's probably uh, one of Hans Zimmer's best ones. Um, I don't really know what else to say about it. I mean, it's I my only my only complaint about it. Like I said, this I think when I re, when it first came out is that it, it feels a little bit bloated. It's just like there's so much to it. It's just a very dense movie, and it kind of it is very long, I'll admit. But it doesn't feel as long as it is, just because there is the action, there is the story, and everything kind of is getting wrapped up. And so, kind of like in the in the way of like a I don't know, like in a Infinity War Endgame, where yes, it's a long movie, but it's with a purpose, and uh, and it. You know, I just thought it was fun every step of the way. 
a lot of people don't like this, but for me, and again, my list is always favorites, not best. This was my favorite film of the year. Um, yeah, uh, this is at six for me on this year's list. Um, and it's more so gone down a little bit just because I, I acknowledge the flaws in At World's End. It is clearly the worst of the three. Um, there are definitely problems with it, but I love, I can ignore those faults because I love this trilogy so much, um, of those first three and how they work together and how they connect. Um, I love where everyone ends up. Um, I think these, the ending of this movie might be one of my favorite endings to a larger arc that I can think of is just how we start with Jack Sparrow coming in on the dinghy, sinking and landing on the dock. And this ends with him right back where he started out on a boat without the pearl on another adventure. And it's just kind of this perfect little circle, uh, this perfect little arc uh, for Jack and everyone. And, uh, and Will, Will starts a blacksmith ends a pirate Elizabeth and Will end up together. It's just, I, I like where everyone ends up. Um, I think the um, cool, one of my favorite movie m memories ever is watching the giant whirlpool fight on the big screen. Um, I think that that giant set piece is really cool, really fun, and remains one of my favorite action action set pieces. Um, and how everyone gets something to do in there that's fun or unique in that fight. Uh, the wedding where Barbosa just tries to get the married while they're fighting is super fun. Um, I've talked ad nauseum about these three movies, uh, so I'm not going to talk too much longer. At World's End is good, but it's my least favorite of the three. So the combination of me wanting to actually be a good fandom player and Coho never shutting the fuck up made me watch all three of these for the first wait, time. Wait, 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 wait. Where's Co doesn't Cody get to talk? Or did you have this on your list? I have my list. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I, didn't, I didn't think you know <laughs> And I'm I'm on like with you. I think it's an amazing fucking trilogy. I, I think I think it does fall fall apart a little bit because it, it doesn't quite adhere as well as the first two. But it's still amazing. I think the third act is all incredible. I think even like for some reason, I don't know, in my brain doesn't work. Is the whole Jack being abandoned in the very beginning of the film is fantastic. Like the supporting cast of characters, I think really have a great arc and conclusion at the end of this film. And like you can even you can even leave it, they could even leave it open ended at the end. Like oh, we're going to the Fountain of Youth. Okay, cool. And then the good that that's the end of it. But I love that we got such like a an impassioned group of three films which have no reason to exist or even be as good as they are. And, I, and they're also like maybe more like some of the most like rewatchable blockbusters of the two thousands. Like they're all just fantastic, and I wish we had more movies like them. <laughs> so I watched these three with my child, my ten year old, and you guys say all these things. But I honestly don't believe you believe your own bullshit. I'm going to be honest with you. I just don't. The ending and everything of this movie and the perfect conclusion is fine. The fucking slog to get to that point is so... That's do we... Do we did, I didn't hear anybody bring up their favorite part of this entire movie. The C-span of the pirate court that we have to fucking sit through. Listen, this trilogy, this trilogy works really well with setting stuff up but then they just throw so much shit at this. You know, if they like address that there was a brother in court at any point in the other movies, then we would fucking have to realize that we might be dealing with that. Like having, oh, do they call? Oh, do they say in the mid credit scene that I missed in the fucking movie? They Go fuck yourself. I don't care. <laughs> fuck you. Um, do not give a shit. I think this movie. I love the second one. The second one is by far my favorite one of the trilogy. I think I enjoy. 
everything about that movie. I have so much fun watching that movie. I love the first one. This one, the ending is cool, but it sucks because I'm asleep. I'm out fucking passed out. This is one of the only three movies that I have seen in theaters that I fell asleep with in theaters because I couldn't stand it. I woke up with a fucking swirl in ships. The ending is like a cool scene, but it takes so fucking long to get there. Barbosa is like my favorite character from the entire thing, and I think he's even wasted in this movie. I think there's just so many problems throughout this ending of this movie. It makes me sad. Um, yeah, there's a whole scene where like. Jack and the crabs are like pulling the shit like like fucking I needed to be on drugs to even give a shit about this movie. <laughs> like I want the rum. I need I quit drinking too long ago to watch this movie now. My son didn't even like this movie and that sucks. Like he, he was drinking. <laughs> yeah, he was hammered. He was shit faced. Um, so uh yeah, I'm sorry. I just do not understand that. I gave it a new watch. I gave it a shot. My scratch off post that I have had all three of them. I wish it would have stopped it too, but I watched them. Yeah, fucking kill me. Um Paul, you fucked up. You fucked up. Yeah, I apparently no, I mean I honestly I do like this movie. I, I really I'm a big fan of the first two, and I think I like the third one like a solid amount. Um it is a little too long for me. I don't like I don't know that I, I don't like the direction they take Elizabeth's character in this movie. I think they take her and put her in a role that I think is way more less interesting than she was in the first two movies. And she's my favorite character probably. And I think the villain work is really the thing that suffers. I think the first two have such strong villains. And I think this just like kind of like eh, for me on that end, um, it's a perfectly decently entertaining sort of like big epic adventure film. But um, to me, it doesn't reach those big heights. There are certain moments that are really cool that Whirlpool battle. Um, I don't, I just don't find it super memorable for a lot of reasons. So um, it's just one that does not stick too strongly in my mind. It's a movie that I think is pretty solid, but um, I'm just not as big of a fan as, as I am with the other two. So. I would pay good money to never see Jack Sparrow have to lick a like a, a rock again, like a good amount of money. Uh, here we go. Well, you know, Brian, you shot yourself in the foot by having this on your number one. Don't worry. There's somebody who jumped off the roof. Go ahead, Spence. Let's talk about your number one. Ladies, gentlemen, and people who know better of Multiplex, attend the tale of Sweeney Todd, my absolute favorite film musical of all time. Wow. I don't love Burton as a director, surprisingly enough. He's someone who I'm like sort of hot and cold on. And I found this, and this was one of the movies that sort of kickstarted my, my love for musicals, even so far as that I wrote a paper about this uh, a couple of years ago for a class where I watched uh, this and compared it to the Patti LuPone version on Broadway and the original Lansbury version on Broadway, which had a rip as well. And I love every single piece of it. And we talked about them on the musical show. I think every version of this is fantastic. But we're talking about movies today. And I think this movie is fucking amazing. I think every cast member, sell, cast member sells the shit out of this. And I know they're not entirely trained singers, but I think they all knock it out of the park. Even Rickman, who's fucking Rex Harrisoning his way through this, is great. And the, 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 plot is crazy. the plot is amazing. I think the entire journey and the depravity of Todd as a character and the real ramifications and the, and the weight of his actions are fucking brilliant. And even, even like... Bird's like, okay, let's grab the entrance because like you're there for them. You don't need to. You don't need to attend the tale. You're already fucking there. And he reused it as like as like the main theme. He uses it in the opening sequence. He use it, reuse it throughout the rest of the film. This is fucking amazing. I love this movie to pieces. I am on here because I am honest about my opinion about my, about my opinions. I'm not fucking playing to you at all, Cody. I love the 
fuck out of this movie. Give me last place. I don't give a shit. Favorite. Fucking on my top 100. Saying it right now. Fucking be ready. I'm going to talk about it again later. <laughs> well, I had it at my number four. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Tim Burton obviously had kind of in the 80s and 90s had kind of done his kind of quirky, you know, dark kind of thing. And then he kind of start, started trying to branch out and doing things like, you know, big eyes and stuff like that. But I mean, if he was going to do a musical, I've never seen a more perfect marriage of a director and a subject matter, because I think him adapting this was a great idea because you could have gotten some other, you know, glossy, normal musical uh, director to do it. And Rob I think it would have been a very different. Uh, What's that? Yeah, imagine Rob Marshall, Marshall doing this movie. Holy and shit. And it would have been a very different movie. And I, I think that, that Tim Burton brought the kind of darkness and, and, to it that it needed. I mean, from the opening credits, you can kind of see the kind of the tone he's going for. And, um, you know, Adelaide already mentioned that, you know, they aren't, a lot of them aren't trained singers. I mean, Johnny Depp had been in a band things like that, but these aren't like, you know, traditional musical, you know, Broadway musical kind of singers. And, and you can tell that it's not perfect singing, but I think it fits the movie just fine. I mean, even when you have like a Sasha Baron Cohen um, playing Pirelli, I mean, he's, he's over the top and comical, but he's supposed to be. Cause then the next thing you see him is just a normal guy. You see that he was putting on a persona. And this is who he truly is and tries to, you know, blackmail um, Sweeney Todd. But I mean, everyone, you know, from Alan Rickman to, you know, Johnny Depp and all that, I think do great singing. I think the direction is good. I think the source material is the strongest thing because I really like the the musical aspect of it. Um, a lot of people, I think this isn't their their style of musical. They want more, you know, you know, just have a scene of talking and burst into bombastic song. And this is more just kind of telling the story and everything through, through you know, constant singing. But I, I I very much enjoyed it. it. Wouldn't be my number one, but it made my top five. So, okay, it's the third deep uh, breath we've had so far. <laughs> um, fuck. I I'm okay. So I'm not very versed on Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Um. But there is a version on YouTube that I have watched with Emma Thompson, and I can't think of the guy's name that plays Sweeney. Go fucking watch that. Go fucking watch that 75 times over ever watching this shit. This movie is bad. This movie is bad. I'm sorry. I like the music of Sweeney Todd. But guess who can fuck up a musical about Sweeney Todd? It's goddamn Burton. Yes, he doesn't fear because you know what? He could never direct any other musical ever because this is like the perfect one for him. I can't. I. I. And the thing that drives me the crazy. You both said it, and I understand where you're coming from. They're not trained singers. That's a fucking problem when it's a musical. I want them to sing well. I want them to I want them to carry the music throughout. I think Helen Bottom Carter is also bad in this movie. I think she's awful. I think everybody oh, who's the kid from Twilight that shows up that like <laughs> I totally forgot about him. He fucking can't sing either. I'm glad that I'm glad that Wormtail beats the shit out of him. In the uh, no Peter Pettigrew, not Wharton Tale. Peter Pettigrew beats the shit out of him, right outside. The th- huh? He's not in Twilight. Tale, Peter Pettigrew, same. He's talking about. I think he's talking about Jamie Campbell Bauer. I assume is. Yeah, he's on Mortal Instruments. Yeah. I wish he couldn't keep singing. Why? 
I I watched the whole thing today, and I was just like, Johnny, the the ending happens, and I was like, oh, an hour and fifty minutes too late. Like, oh, should have just fell in the water on the way to the boat on the, 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 the London. I can't stand it. This is your favorite musical, like movie musical of all time? Hell yes. Holy fucking shit. No one. Tim I really like you like Fever Pitch. We don't make mistakes. Fever Pitch gave my team a championship after 86 years. Go fuck yourself. Sports suck. Oh, so does Sweeney Todd. Congrats. <laughs> Anyway. Sorry, you don't understand. It's too complex. Uh, Coho and Paul, you missed this uh, gem. Paul, go also, first. Only, you, I mean, the only explanation place. of not having this on your having seen it, right? That's got to be the only way. Uh, no, I mean, honestly, this is going to be a, the boring version of this take. I mean, this movie's okay. I remember next to nothing about it. I remember liking Alan Rickman and Timothy Spall kind of in it, um, just as like actors. I don't, I don't really, I don't love this musical. Obviously, like I don't have any t- specific ties to the musical version of this. This is kind of just okay. I'm probably like a bigger Tim Burton fan than most people here, but to me, this is like super disposable. Um, just not my sort of like not the kind of thing that's really interests me or grabs my attention. Um, and the idea is cool, and I think it is a cool match of sort of subject matter and director. But I don't know, it's just a movie that is just kind of a big shrug for me. So yeah. Coho, you're a coward for not putting my comment on screen, by the way. By the way, Joseph, I don't, I quit fandom. I don't give a shit that they're the same person. This is about you, Coho. He asked, he said, Coho doesn't know. <laughs> I have only been offended at the existence of two musical films, musical movie adaptations in my life. Les Miserables and Sweeney Todd, where they butchered the adaptation so fucking bad that it's an unwatchable shit pile because the people who are in it can't fucking sing. Johnny Depp, Russell Crowe, I don't know the difference between the two because they're both equally shit. Uh, Helena Bottom Carter is in both and she's bad in both. Sasha Baron Cohen is in both and he's bad in both. Like, well, he's, I honestly he's, thought his part was redeeming in this one. I will say he's it. actually pretty okay in this one. I'll walk that one back. But uh, I am so frustrated that this is going to make the final list of this fucking show. When it's one of the worst, take musical out of it, one of the worst movies I've seen. This is like my number three, two worst of 2007. It's awful. It's... Wow, that's wild. Tim hey. Burton should have been able to direct this movie and he can't fucking land the, the, land the ship in what he should have been able to crush. This movie's terrible. Hey, uh, just to let you know, Tim, Les Mis is absolute. Les Mis awful. is bad. Shit. Um, all right. Uh, Paul, can you, yeah. can you do one better? Well, my number one's about obsession, of course. I'm talking about DJ Caruso's 2007 film Disturbia. Ah, oh, shit. I guess it's Zodiac. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but okay. So David Fincher is a director who basically all of his movies are about obsession of some kind. Um, and this is like the movie about obsession. And I think this is my favorite Fincher movie. This is like truly one of my like two or three favorite movies of the 21st century. To me, like this is like a crime epic done in such a way that's like dark and twisted, um, but it changes gears and people move in and out without explanation. Um, to me, it's such a striking, you know, film that I just like, things are just burned to my mind. Arthur Lee Allen lived in his mother's basement on Fresno Street, door to door, that is less than 50 yards. I've walked it. Um, all of the, the characters in this movie, I think you see the toll that the, the case takes on them. 
Um, you see, especially Paul Avery, Robert Downey Jr. is the most obvious example of this. But to me, like you see the way these men's lives are changed after this case comes into their lives and how much it's altered based on their interaction with Arthur Lee Allen and all of the, the murder case. Um, there's a scene in this movie where they call Mark Ruffalo asking him for help and his wife is talking on the phone. And he just reaches over, grabs the phone and hangs it up without talking. And that's like the most perfect character moment of this guy who just is done with this case. Um, and beyond being just a great crime epic drama, it also has scenes that are legit like feel like they come out of a horror movie. The scene at the bridge with the with the the tree where it's in darkness or the scene in the basement with the draw with the drawstring light, that stuff is like scarier than almost anything I've seen in a horror movie. To me, like this is like such a masterfully crafted movie that's like weirdly rewatchable. Like it's a super dark and depressing movie. It's almost three hours long, but I find myself like wanting to watch it every couple of months. Like this is just one of my all-time absolute favorite movies. Um, all the little details are what make it so perfect. Like Fincher being this crazy control freak maniac, making these actors do stuff over and over again, beating them down until you get the base of their humanity that comes out. And what comes out to me is an utter masterpiece. I think like all of the small actors make this so good just because the 13th best person in this is like an incredible actor that could lead a movie and do a great job. Um, that's what makes movies like this way better than, than other sort of comparable movies. And to me, like this is an utter masterpiece and one of my all time favorite movies. Who else had Zodiac? Adelaide had number two. I think all of us. I think all of us had it. Uh, Brian did. I don't think. Adelaide had next highest to two. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is one of the best crime films. Period. Like, like I, I, it's this is one of the films I don't have like a lot to say about it because I just sort of find myself at a loss for words. I think it's brilliant. I think it's one of the best films of the two thousands. I think this is this is honestly to me, while well, well, my my favorite of Fincher's, I think this is just his flat out his best film, like his magnum opus, if you will. Like this, this and Social Network go hand in hand. Is like, if I want to show someone here's how you direct a movie, this is it. He masters every single kind, every single direction of the craft, and he masters it in this movie. Every actor is phenomenal. Even like the ending, which there's there's in my head, it's so hard to wrap up a film which is so open ended like this, and he does it the exact right way with John Carroll Lynch just staring at him as he fucking walks out of the office through the window. This movie is brilliant. I. I this movie, like, like, like Paul, weirdly, like I could watch it whenever, and it's really easy to watch, but it's, it's just heavy. I think Jake Gyllenhaal is absolutely brilliant in this. This was my three. Um, I think his performance is so good, uh, down to even just like at the very end when you just see the utter terror in Jake Gyllenhaal's eyes when he realizes where he is, and you feel the exact same thing for him for being in that situation. This movie's brilliant. Um, it's uh it's pretty it's it keeps every watch it keeps creeping back into my top 100 um it's just on the outside of it right now um i love i love zodiac uh fitcher does a great job of it i can't really say much more than that because everyone else has covered everything i like robert Downey jr a lot in this i'll say that uh i think he does a really great job at being a pre like pre the iron man real comeback but oh. like but he's not really doing tony stark he's doing something totally different but he brings an RDJ sensibility to that performance that is fun to watch. To, uh, to think about this movie and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and the direction his career was going, like I know he's a great Tony Stark. It's so depressing to me how much great art and film we've lost out because of him being Iron Man. It'll just bum me out. I know he's a great Tony Stark. He does a great job in the MCU. To me, like there could have been a bunch of different Zodiacs and Kiss Kiss Bang Bangs in that time period if he wasn't. So just um, it, it ended up on my number eight on my list. Honestly, this is one that moved all over my list. It was as high as the top five at one point. I don't know why it ended up where it did. I just had to call it at some point. Um, I, I, I like all David Fincher movies to different extents. Um, this one, 
the weird thing about this one is I think what what makes me not enjoy this one as much um, because because again it, I'm going by favorites instead of best because this as far as filmmaking goes is probably number one number two of, of the year for me um, but as far as the for the favorites the kind of movies I like to really enjoy watching that kind of thing it ended up lower for me and it's not even its own fault I think it's partially because of the kind of ambiguous ending where you don't really know for sure who's the killer who wasn't and i know that's a stupid thing to hold against i don't really hold it against it but i think it's the thing that makes me not feel satisfied you don't, you don't like it. that mindset it leaves you in i totally understand what you're saying right like it, now now again that that's not even what the film is about i mean obviously yeah. like people have already mentioned the film is about the obsession with it and i think when you go back and rewatch it with that mindset you can appreciate the movie a lot more and so like i do i completely respect the movie i enjoy the movie um again it might have ended up higher on my list if you made me submit it five minutes later but it is what it is Um, this is my favorite venture. Um, this is, I'm not going to say a whole lot because of things coming up, but, um, yeah, this movie is absolutely incredible from start to finish. Um, I honestly, I think it's one of those perfect movies out there that I could, I, I, I completely go to every criticism for it, but I could honestly pop this in right now and watch it. I can pop it in three weeks from now and watch it. I find I find true crime just very, very, very interesting. Um, I find um, I just documentary stuff like that. And this is one of those that I think he just nails perfectly. Fincher is one of those directors that the more I watch his stuff, the more I just think he's a like a master at his craft. I haven't seen Mank because people told me I wasn't going to really like Mank. But overall, like the overall approach, I think he's I think he's just a class Classic. By the way, you because you love this movie so much, so much. Watch Memories of Murder, the Bong Joon Ho movie, and that is like proto Zodiac. It is like, I think it's very close to being as good as Zodiac. I think it's like an amazing movie that's very similar. And this movie takes a lot from Memories of Murder. I think so. I think you'd love it. It's on my yeah. Amazon. I'll watch it. So. Oh, definitely, we'll check it out. Uh, yeah. So, Coho, uh, uh, what is your one? My one is on no one else's list. Except it was on Thomas Skelly's. And um, Thomas has never seen such bullshit before. Because fucking no one else has no country for old men on their fucking lists. Uh, the Coen brothers are uh, my favorite directors. I've said this millions of times. I've talked about this movie ad nauseum. Javier Bardem's performance is one of the greatest. Uh, he won his perform or his Oscar for a reason. He's amazing. Uh, I think this movie's great. Every aspect of it. It's not my favorite Coen brother movie but it is in my top three. Um, I think uh, this is, it has my favorite scene in movie history in it with uh, what's the most you've ever lost in a coin toss is my favorite movie scene in maybe history. Um, I think that seems amazing. Um, yeah. I, I love no country for old men. I've talked about that nauseum. I'll leave it alone. Fuck you all for not having it. <laughs> um, just did a watch of this again. Um, so this is this is where this movie kind of sits for me. It's a movie I absolutely one hundred percent respect for what it did. I think I think it's I think it's technically movie everything shot well. It's these movies that come along that I think are great films, but do they cross over from that great film side to my favorite side? And this is one that will never do that for me. And it's so rough. Because there's are parts that I really like about this, but I would take a few other Coens over this one, just personally. I just, 
I think it's a masterclass of what they were able to do. I think Harvey Arbor Dim is fantastic. I think the like the cat and mouse like kind of like aspect of this movie works super well. It's just respected. I again of the 2007 movies, I understand winning Best Picture, like no question about it. But like, um, it's just never going to be that favorite that you want it to be <laughs> in your eyes, as you want it to be. It's just, I think it's well done. It's just good. I never will be a favorite. Uh, everybody else, no one else had this. So it's kind of a big miss. I, I wouldn't say big miss, but I would say when Surprise. you look at 2007, it's one of those, wow. Two of these fucks have Sweeney Todd and not No Country. I, I, I want to point out, on the final overall list, At World's End and Sweeney Todd will both be higher than this, even though it won Best Picture because it's just fine. <sighs> like Of the Coens, it's the one I need to revisit the most. Like I really love uh, their comedies a lot, and this one just didn't hit with me. And then something I'm gonna rewatch eventually because uh, Edgy fucking me in high school hated a bunch of movies I probably should have liked. Bardem's great. I'll give you that. Uh, everything else to me sort of just like fades out. Like it all sort of just blends together. I think they've made better dramas and this just isn't it for me. I think I actually pretty much agree with everything Adelaide said. Um, the, I, with the Coen brothers, I tend to enjoy their comedies more. You know, The Raisin Arizona, Big Lebowski, um, All Brother Art Thou, even Hudsucker Proxy I enjoy. Um, I mean, not all their comedies. I mean, there's stuff like Lady Killers and that that aren't good. But but I tend to, I, in general, I tend to enjoy their comedies more than their dramas. Um, and I think there's better dramas they have than this one. Um, again, like you know, like they said, uh, Javier Bardem is good. Uh, there's good scenes in it, like like Coho's favorite scene in movie history. Another good scenes. But overall, I was it's just like the movie did nothing for me. And then the ending, oh god, or the lack of fucking ending, I just made me leave and made me leave the movie just hating it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I like this. Adis, this is my number seventeen of two thousand seven. So I like it quite a bit. It's not an all time favorite. Um, I love the Cormac McCarthy novel, and it's like such a one to one adaptation. I wish they would have done something more Coensy with it, which is what, always what I've left with. Um, I think Kelly McDonald's super underrated in this movie. I think her and Woody Harrelson, Woody Harrelson who plays the fear of when he's waiting for the phone call like so, so well. Um, I don't love Brolin fully in this movie. And it's like, uh, this is just one of those movies that I think is just so well directed. And then like the craft is super strong. Um, but for some reason to me, they don't coalesce in a way that I totally end up feeling fully satisfied. It's like a, a very, very solid movie. Um, for me, it's like the one of the least Coen-Z Coen movies. And for me, like that's a negative for me. So um <laughs> I like it. I don't, I, I don't love it. I really, again, I really respect it. Um, kind of a bummer to me that like, I mean, in most years I would be fine with this winning best picture, but like the fact that there was stuff like there will be blood or other stuff, Mike, even Michael Clayton, like stuff that I would have loved to be to win instead. Um, I mean, Zodiac had no chance. That's the thing. Like it was just not in the running, but um, yeah, again, it's movie funny. I super respect. Um, honestly, as far as 2000s best picture winners, better than almost any of them, but that's more an indictment of, of what was winning in that time period. But yeah, a movie super solid. Respect it. Don't love it. Just how it is. Okay, well, we reached the finals. Um, the winner, your list sucks tonight, with a solid a B plus because there's some I haven't seen. It's Paul. Um, Paul had two of the movies that I absolutely love on there. Um, uh, Michael Clayton, I actually enjoyed. I think I will watch it. I love this. Ruby Blood. I understand Hot Fuzz. 
just some I haven't fully seen, but that's no shame. Zodiac number one. I'm sorry. It's really hard to beat when you put Zodiac number one. Uh, next will be a B. Um, it will be killed Coho. Mm. Caleb win wow. uh, second. Um, he had Pirates at six, but I'm expected Pirates at that point. But Super Bad, Zodiac, Ratatouille, No Country for Old Men, movies that, that I can fully understand and respect. Uh, the other two were just batshit crazy at some points. Um, number three, I guess with a C, C plus, I would go Brian. Brian with he had Pirates, but he also had Live for Your Die Hard that I have super fun with. Super Bad, he had he at least had brains and put Sweeney Todd at four. Uh, Juno. Uh, American Gangster, he put Denzel on there. He also had Zodiac. Uh, TMNT, he had the correct one, but I don't know if that helps you at all. Um, and last place, I'd say it's T minus. Uh, wow. Probably. You had Zodiac. The fact that you had Zo you have Surf's up on here, but then you have you have Swing Todd higher than Zodiac just makes me like pissed off like to a degree. That so did Brian, scary. to be fair. So did Brian. That is true. <laughs> Fucking kill me both. That's why you're both in the basement. <laughs> the combined list, which I don't even want Drag to me down look too. at. Um, <laughs> number 10 is Live for Your Die Hard. Oh my God. Number 9, The Assassination of Jesse James. Thanks, God. I made the tiebreaker cut for that one. No Country for Old Men, Walk Hard, Juno, Superbad, Red Dewey, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, That World, and Zodiac. I'm like, fuck Talk about three. That's a great top um, 10. It's a great top 10. No, it's fucking, <laughs> that's a fucking rough top 10. Um, just real quick, I have a lot of people watching. Um, next week, courtroom dramas. Please submit your list tonight. I'm 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 on, I'm actually like on a staycation. It's fine, fan, fantastic. I'm off work. Please submit your list. I'm gonna watch the movies. Movie sequels. Again, I'll probably have seen most of the movies you submit. No big deal. And then the top 100 series. Believe me, Kirk will also be hosting the follow, like the past, the next. I don't even fucking know how to talk. The next round September, of top 100. Volume four. So submit your list if you want to be on. Start working on it. Me and Brian just created one. Co-host had a great one. It's a fucking hard process to it's come down to the 100 cool. movies that you actually want to talk about over that course of time. Um, the correct list. What would have won, hands down? Uh, Zodiac. The Assassination of Jesse James 2. Superbad Ratatouille. No Country for Uh 310 to Yuma. Born on Ultimate American uh, Gangster, Hairspray, don't give a shit, love that movie. And The Great <laughs> Debaters, watched it first time this uh, coming, this, uh, it's on Hulu, I recommend uh, checking it out. Uh, Denzel directed, it's a fantastic film, uh, but that would be the correct one for me. I If you're going to put a musical on there, uh, after I Hairspray saw Sweeney Todd, I'm going to replace it with Hairspray. Um, yes, just watched it this year, it would have been up, it probably moved up, it's a really good movie too. Um, yeah, so thanks for being on the show. Come next week to see courtroom dramas. Uh, it's the shortest episode I've ever been on. This is the shortest episode I've ever been on. <laughs> a bunch of new graphics for courtroom dramas next week. Check them out. This is going to be some fun shit. I made new shit for courtroom dramas. <laughs> I'm scared. Bye. I know I'm with you, Fredo. You broke my heart. Your guilt has been determined. This is merely a sentence. Now what will it be? Death or exile? You better lawyer up, asshole. Because I'm not coming back for 30%. I'm coming back for everything. So Normally, I would say Alfida Zin. But since what Alfida Zin actually means is till I see you again. And since I never wish to see you again, to you, sir, I say good.